<laughs> yeah, it's not RSP, which I could probably pass for that, like forehead wise, you know? But, you know, and the front was crazy. So you're like, it just, it was cool. California is fucked. And you had to wear New Balances, which probably sucked too. <laughs> and have a custom plate. It was a, it's a nasal infection. Diagnosed. Where'd you go to the doctor? WebMD. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. Welcome to Oil & Whiskey, an Ironclad Original. Today's guest is Morgan Clark, owner of Morgan Clark Design. <clears throat> so on and so forth. Oh, that, that was the end of the sentence. And there's like spaces. I gotta get down to the farther down. I'm sick. Yeah, I'm sick. Are you? Yeah, I was Whoa. better yesterday. I'm <laughs> full-blown sick again. We got that, you got that recorded. You've announced that. Yeah. That's an announcement. I am. It's an announcement. You heard it here on Oil & Whiskey. Josh I don't feel has good. succumbed to... Is it COVID? I think it's COVID. It's not it? COVID. Sure. It no. looks it, it looks like COVID. No. It was a na- it's a nasal infection. Diagnosed. Would you go to the doctor? <laughs> oh. No. It's a double slip. So you got a, a little you got a stuffy nose, and then you went to the doctor as a result of said stuffy nose. WebMD. Did, <laughs> yeah, right, dude. Did you go to the immediate care, like the ER? I didn't go to the doctor. When would I have gone to the doctor? I don't keep I've been here. I don't know what you every day for the last three days. Lunchtime, probably went over to the Target little. Uh, go to the doctor. You know what I did do? Came to work. Yeah, infected your peers. I wasn't gonna let it beat me. I think that that their oxygen tank is right around the corner for you. <laughs> you wish. Karma is gonna murder you. No, what will murder me is me it's smoking not, with the oxygen tank, not doing the oxygen tank. Surely. For the fact of you not being able like, to make fun of me. Dude, just be like, you gotta have just it. Just take it's a little only, bit, dude. I won't like you need it. I won't make fun of you. The only thing that'll keep you alive. I won't, I won't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> Get a little vape pen of oxygen. Dude, you're dying. Oh, just take some fucking oxygen. <laughs> you make fun of me. <laughs> Drink a pumpkin spice latte. It won't <laughs> I would do that. For All right, you. we're even. Yeah. Today's guest is Morgan Clark, the founder of Morgan Clark Design, which specializes in custom motorsports, art design, and performance metal fabrication. He also shares his expertise, instructional how-to videos, build films, and more on his YouTube channel at Morgan Clark Design One. You can also follow him on Instagram at Morgan Clark Design One as well. Look at that, both of them the same. Morgan Clark Design One, YouTube, Instagram, Makes social it easy. channel. That's branding right there. That's, that's being smart. He's got to fight. Morgan, welcome to Oil and Whiskey, man. Cheers. Hey, cheers. All coffee, you guys. Perfect. It works. Yeah, you're probably going to get back to work after this, huh? Well, we appreciate you coming on, man. We've all been big fans of your work for a long time. I appreciate you're, that. Thank you're, you for you're one of me, my though. go-tos on Instagram. You come up in my stories because I'm always checking out the stuff you do. And the work, yeah. the work is just kick-ass, dude. So it's a pleasure to have you, you on here, man. Honor. Yeah, absolutely. We Thank saw the, uh, the truck in person at SEMA um, this last year and kind of been following it online and then seeing it in person was yeah, blown away. I think we spent a good portion of time over there checking that thing out after yeah. hours and stuff. We did. Vivian? Yeah. yeah I just want to drive the yeah. thing. That looks like a blast. Yeah, that, that was a good, um, a good exercise. I, you know, speaking of like roadster shop, just to like, to explain where I found you guys or how I discovered roadster shop was from the Colorado build. 
the caller rat o build yeah um that was the, like because i haven't been as prominent into hot rod stuff as as i have like into off-road and the the colorado was the first thing i was like whoa these guys are like they're fucking like they're going for it on this thing you know damn well that means a lot coming from you dude that uh, i know the the off-road community is maybe a little bit more harsh and vocal. They're super accepting, than, right? Than the They're super welcoming guys. and so accepting. It, uh, it certainly mixed reviews out of, out of that, but we had a hell of a fun time building it, and it was it was cool and pulled a lot of yeah. a lot of inspiration from you know a lot of you guys that do some incredible yeah. fabrication work. Well, you know, you guys like for myself, I I my manufacturing capabilities and. My skill set revolves still around like OG tooling and, and doing stuff by hand. Um, and with Roadster Shop, that's where I see like you guys are almost at that pinnacle of like a couple clicks below a factory production car, you know, like with the capabilities. And of course, like my, you know, I'm the biggest fanboy for Mike. So that's that's my ultimate guy over there that I love, yeah. you know? Yeah, Mike's a stud, dude. Mike's got quite the following. I mean, he does. Mike, we try to coerce him into coming on here, you know, to, to get him out in front of the world. But uh, yeah, Mike's a behind the scenes kind of guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, he likes to lay low. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but yeah. wildly talented dude. I mean, obviously you've seen his social media is incredible. Dude does some really neat yeah. stuff. And that the Colorado, I mean, that was a lot of his handiwork there. So Was it? Yeah. How Yeah, I just see a lot of the process stuff with him. Like, I just... I envy his skill sets, you know, like, I, I mean, I have my own, but when I see his stuff, I'm like, dude, what the fuck am I doing? Like, <laughs> this guy, you know? Yeah, he's good, dude. He's definitely good. How'd that Vivian truck come about? What was the story behind that? What's that? How'd the Vivian truck come about? I mean, how did the customer, I know, like a Tacoma, I mean, a t- yeah. Toyota, wasn't it? What's that? It was a, started under, it was a Toyota, right? It was, yeah. I I hate that it was, but it is. It is what it is. It is what Sometimes it is. great things come from weird shit. So, um, Vivian came about. Eric Connor is the owner of Vivian, and um, we I, I've done stuff for Eric. Eric like was one of those good clients. He had like this nasty Baja bug, tube chassis Baja bug with a three liter Whipple on an LS and. Just a, it would assault you when you drive it, and that was the first car I worked on for him. And when I when he came up to my shop, he's like, "Hey, I love what you do. I want to keep working with you on stuff." We shook hands. Like if you keep if you do me solid, I'll just keep bringing you stuff. And you know when you hear that from people, you don't you don't know how good that's going to hold up and take it with a grain of salt. Eric has done that, and it went from working on the bug to the Tundra, and then it he had LS Fest. I think it was two years ago. Uh, LS Fast West, you know, he took it out there and I, you know, we had planned before that. He's like, I want to, I want to make it an F100. Um, and, you know, I want to go to LS Fast and then I want to drive it through the season. And uh, we talked already, we kind of, the plan was just to cut, you know, cut the chassis out of the middle, um, up the upper cage, put an F100 on there, dent side uh, and transform it like that. And he goes to LS Fast. I go, dude, I got a bad feeling about that rolls the shit out of it at LS Fest. And instead of getting through the season, that's in April. So he just, he's like, all right, on my way home from Vegas, I'm just going to drop it off. Um, and he located a cab and he's always, he's like an old school. He's like an OG skater. He's a retired skater, pro skater from San Diego. And you know, that, that F100, like a lot of people, I'm sure you guys too, like a lot, the F100 is like an iconic vehicle. People love those sure. things. 
they're they go from farm trucks to hot rods to whatever um and you know he's like i just I, it's one of my dream trucks and either i build a separate one or we just take what i have and we put the cab on there and i you know i'm no stranger to doing stuff like that i i like that and that's a challenge already because you're taking stuff that's already there and then with design you're you're making it look like it was not that it, it, like it wasn't you just took some different thing and put a new thing on it and you know a lot of times you can disrupt the design like that if you don't do it right uh and you know his foundation with that tundra was good enough where i believed in it and i saw the vision and and then he wrote it out with me um with that because you know i was like well if we're gonna do it we should body drop it so it doesn't sit high we should put the we don't have floors on the frame it's just a three-sided shell so why not just lower this thing down and then you know i'm like we're already here it's 135 inch wheelbase a trophy truck like your your cream of the crop wheelbase for a off-road car it's like 124 125 so i'm like all we gotta do is just cut 10 inches more and we'll shorten it you know and then i'm like the trailing arms were always ugly let's just do good trailing arms you know like i can put good geometry in the back let me build new pivot boxes we're already here let's build put bigger shocks on the back like he took that ride and it wasn't a disaster where he's like, dude, we're drowning and, you know, going over the, the budget, but it was like, yes, that's the right step. Yes. That's the right step. Yes. That's the right step. And every bit of that construction phase, and that's not including like the sheet metal and the interior we can talk about, but every bit of that was like, it's like making something really good. Like if you have a really good recipe for something, you know, and you don't have all those ingredients, it's not going to hit just right. And like, we did everything on that truck where it does like the way it looks is how it drives and how it works. And it's, it is like a completely functional piece of machinery because we did all those steps. That's awesome. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just fucking awesome looking. Yeah. Like that thing, it looks mean, dude. It, uh, I was stoked to see it out at SEMA. Like Josh said, we were totally. all, we were all over the thing, man. It's a, it's a rad truck. What's this? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things. There's a lot of levels of finish work. Um, you know, you guys are very clear on that stuff. And that's like one of those ones we got the cab. I could like put my finger in some areas of the cab where there was holes, you know, like in the upper roof and like the rain gutter areas. And he's always like, dude, I'm not going to, I, I want to leave it like this. I want to patina this thing. And so we like, we pivoted off that and I have like a pretty strong like design background and we pivoted off that with the whole build from the start, like make it a utility pre-runner. It's nice, but it doesn't have a heater. It doesn't have air conditioning. Like all the floors come out. Everything is like aircraft style. A lot of, a lot of rivet stuff with like one inch spacing. Just like if you look on like an airframe, um, you know, a lot of like exposed hardware and like a multitude of smaller hardware instead of larger catches for stuff. So it's, it has that industrial feel. Um, like like the way to look at it is like if like a, and this is a little dated because like an old World War II bomber, like a B seventeen, like a a bomber crew of like eight guys or whatever, it'd be like their hot rod that they had that they fixed up. You know, it's like that. Like they made it cool in a lot of areas, but they like didn't give a crap about the finish work in some areas, you know, as far as the cab and the paint and the upholstery and things like that. For sure. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So you talk, you mentioned design background. How did you get your start in this? In off-road industry or just in, in fabrication? In, in fabrication, in automotive. I mean, take take us back to the thing because I'm very interested. Am in I it. talking too much, you guys? No, dude, no, not at all. Dude, that's, that's the whole point. That's what we're here for. It's a lot to talk. Point. We can talk uh, all night, man. That's, that's what we're here cool. for. Cool. Well, I, I'm pretty, like, my stories became really clear and evident over the last, especially, like, the last year and a half. And what I mean by that is, like, you know, 
going through, at least for my life, going through stuff and going like working different jobs, having different struggles, dropping out of art center, like all this stuff, you know, when it's happening, you're like, dude, shit, like, like I'm failing or like, this isn't working out or what am I doing? And then like, now I'm at a spot where I'm all, wow, this is, this picture was all a step. Everything was a step to like my direction and my path in life. Like whether it was tough or not, it, it's, it's all queued up to that. And it all like makes sense now to me. And it, and it feels so good because I, I still feel like I'm just getting started on stuff. Um, when I was younger, you know, whenever I could hold something in my hand, like a brush or a crayon or whatever primitive, you know, medium for art, I was, I was drawing, um, before I was talking or doing anything else, I was drawing in, in elementary school. Um, and I was deeply fond and this is, you know, we're talking no internet, no cell phones, no frame of reference besides either stuff you see on cable TV or stuff that you see at museums, uh, or, you know, magazines, of course, magazines. So, uh, I had a huge passion for world war two aircraft when I was in elementary school in the nineties, uh, early nineties, I was born in 85. Uh, and then, you know, even in fifth grade, I remember they, they put me in this gate program. It's like a special, it's for like gifted and talented kids, but it's usually for like kids that are super book smart. And they put you know, me in one of those programs too. And they said it was for gifted kids, but I think it was a different program. Yeah, special it's a different kind of gifted. <laughs> yeah. It's not RSP, which I could probably pass for that like forehead wise, you know, but he, uh, they put, I was the first guy to, to enter that and be accepted for art. And I remember, and this all makes sense. Um, I remember like they'd have conferences throughout my life, starting in fifth grade, all the way into high school, they'd have parent teacher like meetings. They'd come and they go, can't have Morgan won't stop drawing in class. And I didn't give a, you know, I didn't care about what they'd tell me in class. I would draw. I'd always draw and I have ADHD. So for me, when I'm drawing, I'm listening way better than if I'm just staring at a teacher talking or something. Yeah. Um, and, and I was drawing, you know, it started with all the world war two aircraft and military stuff. And then, and then boom, I was like into hot rods and I was like 57 Chevys, um, you know, Dan Chuck or whatever that, that catalog you used to get, yeah. right. Is it, is it pronounced it like that? Dan yeah. Chuck. yeah. They had one, like a cartoon type. It was a hand drawn 57 Chevy right on the convertible on the cover. I think. Yeah, totally. I think it was red, Yeah. but you know, that, that Dan Chuck catalog, I remember I, I grew up in Laverne, uh, in California. So Pomona, um, the dregs and the super Chevy show, were there and I'd go to those and stuff when I was younger. My I didn't have a dad or anything, but I'd like I'd figure out a way to get over there. And and I think that 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 57 Chevy, I would draw that thing and draw that thing and nomads and you know all that. And that was fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. I got I didn't draw as much. And then high school boom, I started drawing again. And I was racing. I started riding dirt bikes when I was 13. I've told this story before, so that's why I kind of have it streamlined. Um, I started racing dirt bikes, district 37, which is specifically desert racing, um, 13 or 14 years old. My mom would take me out there. My mom used to ride with like Steve McQueen, um, and his whole crew in the seventies. And she was like my badass, dad. Dude. So you she just, took you me just out there. That, like it's nothing. What's that? Yeah, I said, that's badass. You just dropped that. Like, oh yeah, my mom was riding with Steve McQueen. Dude, like, hey, back in the Jordan, like and... yeah. It's pretty epic. Yeah. And she had like photo albums of like her and Steve McQueen. And Holy shit. I, you know, she was one of the only girls in the group. So I don't, 
I'm sure she hung out with them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, she still had those times. Like, and there was that, remember that movie on any Sunday? Yeah. There was that dog, that guy with the dog on the gas tank. Like he rode, he had like carpet on his fuel tank on his dirt bike. And he, he would race with his dog. Um, and then he, she had that in the photo albums, you wow. know, like with her. Whoa, this is Damn. dope. So <laughs> she was cool. a tomboy in a sense, but regardless what I'm getting at is I would go out there and, you know, they'd mark the courses in these trucks for the desert races. And I remember I saw this truck, like a Ranger extra cab and, and it had big fenders and there were shocks in the bed. I'm like, dude, what is that thing? Like, Whoa, it's big. You know, the proportions were all cool. And you know, like, cause the big tires and like big wheel openings and small cab and, and right, that was it. Boom, boom, right there. Intrigued. Like, what is that? And I didn't, I, I registered it, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know it was a pre-runner. I didn't, I also didn't know it was a starter kit pre-runner, like a bro kid probably had it and it was not built or caged. I had an XR50. I broke the swing arm on that thing around 15 years old. So this is maybe 99 or 2000. Um, I looked up a welding place in the phone book and it was, it was solo motorsports. And we was in Azusa. So we just drove down there and, and, this guy, Bobby comes out and they are at this place and there's these pre-runners everywhere and they are caged in their big badass OBS Chevys, like tubes everywhere, suspension everywhere, raw welding everywhere. I have goosebumps right now. And that was, oh my gosh, I, I didn't even know that was a thing. And I saw this stuff um, and it left these crazy imprints on me. And that's another thing, you know, with life, like you don't realize what leaves an imprint on you until yep. later in life you know Dude, that's that is awesome man and it, for us it's tough like it's cool talking like some of you guys that are like southern california guys because you had so much exposure to cool stuff for me and my brother we grew yeah. up in the midwest right like what we saw was a jacked up square body truck with a pro net totally. for a tailgate you know and they, maybe oh, they yeah. put an extra Gator net. yeah they, they put an extra shock on it. There's like yeah. two shocks. Instead of one. Yeah. Four but, steering stabilizers. Right. But there was no, well, I think if you're balling, you have the whole Lund truck accessories. Like you have those big three inch bars in the back that oh, are yeah. doubled yeah. up. Yep. And then you have like the, the windshield visor. Oh, oh yeah. You know? Absolutely. For the OBS stuff. For sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we have I, the car, you know, it's the culture, right? The car culture here is deep and you know, with everything going on too, it's like, I'm still in California and I love California primarily for that stuff, you know, besides like weather and, and geographic locations. But I would have gotten out of here a long time ago if there wasn't all that car culture, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah, so, so that tube chassis OBS stuff, I mean, that's, that starts shaping yeah. your that lights you up. You're like, Holy shit. This is, this is badass. This is what I got to do. Was, yeah. It was different. It was like, it was an OBS. It was like a 90, maybe a 98 Chevy in there. 97 F one fifties. But it was really just these cars that resembled manufactured vehicles that were completely built out. Like, you know, where it just, everything is custom. And, and I saw, you know, when you see raw stuff, um, I'm, a, I'm a fourth generation craftsman. And so I'm sure it's in my blood. But when you see raw metal and you see the weld marks and you see like prep areas, like it, you can feel that someone has built that. You can like... You can just feel that. And I think even at that age, 16 or so, I, I like could tell like, wow, this, these guys are like constructing these things. And I'm, you know, when I was younger, I'm building Legos and building model, you know, like plastic model cars and all that stuff. And 
it just fits right in, you know, fast forward. Uh, I went away, I got shipped away when I was, when I was 17, I got picked up. I was, my high school years were not drinking and partying or boot like, or doing drugs or anything like that. I rode dirt bikes and I was go ditching school three days a week to go ride dirt bikes in Beaumont. And my, you know, I'm out of control, angry kid. I, I don't know exactly where all that comes from even now, but I was just an out of control kid, but I wasn't out of control of vices or partying. I was just like moving fast and, you know, getting in fights and, and, um, ditching school to ride dirt bikes. And my mom felt like there was no other option, but to have me picked up to go to like a wilderness boot camp. Um, when I was 17, and I got swooped up like 2 AM in the morning or well, obviously 2 AM strangers came into the house and they're like, you're coming with us. And, um, I didn't know like what's going on. My mom told me nobody could sleep the night. I still had a buddy sleeping the night and these guys, like this guy and this girl, they put me on a plane and I, like, I was still kind of not coherent. And I ended up in Idaho, went to this wilderness boot camp with all these like troubled kids. And, and then I spent my rest of my high school uh, days at Northwest Academy, which is a emotional growth boarding school. Um, I got a lot of gains from that psychologically and like emotionally. Um, but I was pulled away out of life for a bit when I came back 18 uh, it, my, my mom married a, a high school sweetheart. Um, and he gave me a job working structural steel. Do you guys have any questions before I keep going? No, no, it's, dude, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, it's in, yeah, it's I'm locked in. Man. Yeah. I, okay, funny, copy, I can relate copy. to I just, some of those. I one of my best buddies, same thing happened. They yarded him out middle really? of the night. Yeah. And, uh, he, you know, disappeared throughout all high school, came back like total changed dude. Lance and yeah. grabbed his ass. It's gone. It's tricky because what they do there is, and it's a, it's a huge part of my story. And what they do there is they, they really, you know, the way you look at it, 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 like when you're, all of us are little kids essentially. Right. And the only reason you guys act the way you do and the way I act, the way I do is because that's how we feel like we need to be and act, um, you know, besides our character and our values with being young, you go through so many traumatic events and you stash a lot of stuff away and you carry guilt, you carry shame, and and it and it starts to wear on you. And the way they described it best is like that we're all shiny, like polished metal balls when we're born. And then every instance of something that happens to us, it it adds, you know, a scratch or it scuffs it or it it really gouges it, you know. And that's our our painful memories that we go through and things we go through that and then and that that representation of the ball after that is like us. That's who we are. With Northwest Academy, their goal was to like repolish this thing back out. Um, it's great for for cleansing everything up until you being 17 or 18 years old. But what happens is then you go out into the real world and the real world is so messed up. It's like dramatic and traumatizing because you don't you're not used to that. Now you're like a little kid again, like you're pure. You're like a like a solid little human kid. And so then boom, you, you know, you stack that stuff up quick, right. When you get out, because everything's kind of harsh. Is that a faith-based organization? What's that? Is that a faith-based organization? Is that like a, like, no, it's just, no, just really just values and like being in agreement with yourself. And no, there's none of that stuff. And I'm not a, a really religious person either. I mean, I, I believe in like a higher power. I believe there's something greater than us, but I don't 
I'm not like on on some god stuff, you know. Wow, that's so. so that's crazy. Two years, two years there, give or take year. Six weeks, six weeks at Ascent, the wilderness camp, right? And that was the thing. Like everybody was like, "Oh, you're just going to go up to this camp for six weeks." I'm like, "Dude, I can do whatever for six weeks." And then you know the the week, the fifth week, you get a letter from your parents, and the letter is like the letter. Are you staying? Are you going to Northwest Academy or are you going home? And I'm like, I'm good. We're going home. You know, and the, the wilderness camp was gnarly. It was like you're sleeping in these teepees, you're chopping wood all day. Various, you know, your job varies from from cutting trees down in the forest to dragging the trees with a crew of people with chains to sawing them with like an old school, big old long logger thing, you know, to splitting them, to stacking them, you know, like. You're doing that. That's that's what you do for five weeks. Six, five weeks comes around or whatever, and I get the letter that I'm staying, and I'm like, I'm wrecked. It was a year and a half. I resisted for several months just like the most I could, um, having to be there, but but resisting nonetheless. And then finally when I gave in is when I got the tools. That's, that's nuts. It's wild when they – out of curiosity, right, they – they, they grab you originally. I mean, in What's today's it? day and age, I feel like things are so much different, right? You you come into a house and grab a kid in the middle of the night. Nowadays, uh, social media, you know, the rest of the things probably, you know, you got problems. But w- at what point do they, like, explain that to you, right? So you feel like somebody came in the fucking room, they snagged you what, out of bed. You have no yeah. idea what's going on. At what point are they like, hey, man, here's what's going on. Your mom Dude, called it us. It's- it's just as rough as you think. I think ring cams, you'd already get a win on this stuff. You know, if you're a kid, you're out. <laughs> ring cam pops off, dude, dipping yeah. out. What, what's going on? You know, um, I think, I don't know how my, what, what do you guys do for language on this thing? <laughs> we oh, yeah, we don't cut loose. There's zero fucking, like, okay. You just yeah. I just, some, sometimes <laughs> I, I use languages who I am and I don't, you know, I just don't want to, I want to be mindful. Um, I think kids these days and the way we're doing stuff, you know, there's a lot of pussies and, and mm-hmm. I don't, th- I think the parents are pussies to an extent, like with this stuff, like I don't think, and there's just so much cancel stuff. I, it would never fly. And the the way it worked, it was gnarly, but when you're in such like a shock situation, they woke me up big people. The, like the woman was big. The dude was big. The dude was six, two or three. And, I'm, it's two in the morning. They do it exactly when they know that you're going to be like in some serious sleep. They're like, Hey, I, I mean, the dialogue's something like this. The dog's like, Hey, and I wake up, uh, you're coming with us. Uh, you're going away for a little bit. What? No, no, I'm not. No, you're going with us. Your mom is out here. She said, it's, this is what we're doing. Your mom has got us to do this. You're going with us. Uh, I didn't put up much of like, what do you do? these people are going to take me out either way. Um, my mom was on the couch crying in the, in the living room and she was in her face crying because I mean, think about it. That's, this is a, a move my mom made, not, not a dad. Yeah. Um, and I'm her only son. And I think she was at a point where she's like, I'm going to lose my son. Like this guy's going to be going to jail or this guy's going to like lose his opportunity at life. And this is my last resort and I have to just do this. And, and she was doing the best she can. I, I remember it makes me emotional, but I, I remember she was like over there and I, I saw her and I was so angry 
And I, I go, mom, and she like looks up and I'm all, fuck you. Oh, and I just laugh. And dude, I, you know, I don't know. So that was step one. Like we're, and then, you know, we went, to, we left out of Ontario airport, which wasn't that far from the house, maybe 30 minutes. <clears throat> they didn't talk to me. Um, I wasn't losing my control or anything like with like trying to get out of a car or any of that stuff. It's like, you're at a point here where like you're a kid still. So it's not much you can do when you get strong armed by full grown adults. Um, and then we, we flew, you know, on just like normal civilian airline, the trickiest part, you know, and you don't know where you're at. Cause I flew into Spokane, Spokane, Washington. I didn't register this stuff until later. And then we like drove through Coeur d'Alene, Idaho and up into the Northern Idaho. And then we go into this, like we're, we're on dirt roads up in the forest. And then like we walk on wood chips, we go into this little, like everything's like little wooden structures. And there's this guy bearded out, like looking like a North face, you know, Patagonia style hiker, dude. His name is Lars. And I don't even know how I got that. Um, and he's sitting there on this thing and they're like, take your clothes off boom, butt naked, like take all your clothes off. You know, they like search you. I'm not like spreading my ass, but everything but that. And they dress you right there, you know? And then like, I'm like, what, what is going on? And they're like, your, your, your parent has sent, you know, has, has set this up for you to go to ascent um, wilderness camp. And this is for a six week, a six week program. And, and you'll get a, a letter from them um, shortly. And I, and my mom had a pre-written letter that they require. Uh, and I just read that thing, and that, that's as far as that went. Damn. Dude, we're talking, what, like 25 years ago, something like that? Like, man, have— This was how, 2000, 2002. Okay. How, how times have changed. Think yeah. about that right oh, now. Yeah. Like, you take you take that, like, shithead kid, first of all, and you would—like, the, the mom wouldn't even attempt to, like, reprimand him. They would—, they would they, they put him in like a safe place. He's, he's, find, to, he's finding himself. Yeah, he's expressing himself, <laughs> yeah. right? If he wants to yeah. lash out or rage out, like that's just, he's expressing himself. Something, but to your point, like, yeah, and like kids being fucking pussies, you need some of those old school values. Well, you, and he, you, <laughs> you, you touched on it. The parents are pussies too, because you go back to those times, like nowadays, that, 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 those parents are letting that kid act out and be a shithead, right? And yep. they're saying, they're making excuses for him. But then they're also at dinner with another couple. And that couple, instead of being like, hey, you need to fucking do something with your kid, right? He's, he's, he's being a shithead. Well. You're, you're not. They're going to allow that, right? But we talked about this. Bullying is probably the wrong, wrong word to use because it's got such a negative connotation. But without, uh, you know, for the lack of a better term, bullying is good for a certain point because there would be other parents around that'd be like, hey, not we're either not hanging shit. out anymore or you need to do something with your fucking kid. He's breaking shit. He's, he's becoming a real pain in the fucking ass, right? You need to do something. <laughs> and they wouldn't allow it either. They, right. You know, they'd figure out. It's, I mean, not to get off topic, but it just 21 years ago. Yeah. Well, dude, it's, it's crazy. Like, as you're talking about this, I got all these memories coming back because I've got, you know, I mentioned yeah. my buddy, great buddy, like one of my best friends. My mom wouldn't let me hang out with him when we reached a certain point because he was a he was a fucking evil kid, right? He's a fuck up. And if she <laughs> and that was great, like she that was great what she did. I've heard I, your story I was, as a kid. He must have been <laughs> bad. Oh, bad, yeah. Because yeah. I was going down the wrong path too, right? And she separated yep. us. So and you look at this, right? He's got you know, at that time, you know, we were in junior high school. He had an older brother, two years older than him. He died of a drug overdose in a junior year of high school. 
and his little brother, my best buddy, they sent him away. Today, he's 40, 41 years old, successful, has a family, straightened his ass out. If you'd have coddled him and taken the, like... He'd have followed the same path. Yeah, he'd be gone, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, and I agree with that. It's it's tricky now for sure, but you got to think with my position. Like when I when my mom found out she was pregnant with me, there the guy the guy who knocked her up, my biological father. He was over here. He's Australian. He came over here to learn how to fly a old British Sea Fury uh, from my uncle, and he had a wife and kids. So my mom's like, "This is." I didn't even think I could have a kid. My mom had me when she was thirty nine years old. So that's pretty abnormal and you have to think if there's no father around what what was she going to do right. and then where does that go you know like it's a pretty solid idea for for someone in her position sure. you know wow that's wow so you know and, and to to your you know like talking about the you know family of kids and stuff and getting in trouble i've watched other kids like when, i remember in middle school and high school where it's like a family of kids and i don't want to say their names but i, I remember this family of kids and all of them went down a bad path. And even then I knew it. And like, now, you know, they're all like either in prison or on drugs and, you know, it's the same thing. Cause nobody could do something, you know? Yeah. And I don't, I don't, the new generation of kids. Yeah. I'm a, a, more of a hater than anything on it. And, and I just, I feel like they're all like Gentile style kids. They're just, you know, I, it's hard to say it without being critical and I don't want to be critical and come off like that. But like, like for instance, I have Colin working for me and he's my lead fabricator. He's 25 and he is one of the best examples of a kid I've ever seen, you know, and his parents are extremely involved with him and he lived kind of in the country and, you know, and then you have other kids that you experience are 25 that don't have jobs that don't drive cars. Yeah. I mean, surely don't know how to drive a stick shift. Don't know how to change tires. Don't know how to work on stuff. Like, and then I'm like, you guys are supposed to be in our military. Yeah. Whoa, yeah we're fucked. Whoa. What are we doing? Yeah. Crazy. You guys want to hear my 18 year old up now? Yeah, dude, let's go. <laughs> let's I mean, you, yeah, that's that's an interesting start. I mean, it's it's cool to I hear. No what, idea. Yeah. It's cool to hear what shaped you. So now we're 18. I mean, where are you going from there? You're you're back in civilization. 18. I came home. 18, I, came home. Uh, I was I was in really good shape because I worked out up there. You know, it's you're still in a in a institution kind of. So <clears throat> I was working out. I was kind of an airhead when I came home, and I I just my stepdad that my Mary, my mom married into, he, um, he had a, uh, industrial steel fabrication shop, um, called Herdig Ironworks. Um, and it was him and his brother ran this thing, big steel erecting shop, all structural steel cranes, big gantries, forklifts, punches, you know, all the stuff. And I didn't, I had like messed around a little bit with a welder when I was 16, 17, but nothing. And then, like this was just my I didn't know what I wanted to do. I came out of there and I was a good kid, but I didn't like have any ambition. Um let me tag back into something. When I was eleven years old, my mom got me lined up with this guy, Ed Wong. And Ed Wong, he was an instructor at Art Center College of Design. A lot of those dudes over there that design cars, Korean dudes, like they kill it. They're <laughs> assassins. Um, Ed was an instructor over there and she got me to take lessons from him out of his house uh, when I was 11 on visual communication and, you know, figuring out three-dimensional sketching and stuff like that. But That's cool. it was more of a thing like Morgan's really good. We can teach this and he'll be some savant when he gets older. But I was, I'm 11. 
I'm like, where's the BMX jumps at? We're good. I don't need this stuff. So it, it lasted a little bit. Um, and I had, I had that dream to design cars 11 or 12 years old. Now back to 18, I started the structural steel job and those guys are all old timers over there. They do not like, you don't get a win because you're the boss's stepson. So I ground handrail. That was my first job. I, I would sit there and there'd just be like inch and a half pipe handrail with MIG welds on it, blown out MIG welds. And I'd sand that shit for months, months, like just like on horses in the shop. And then it was like, okay, got that. And then, and little did I know these guys were like molding my foundations, right. you know, my fundamentals, like blending welds and cleaning things. And, and then it was like, okay, punch some stuff. And I'd be on the punch for months, just hydraulic punching stuff and using the crane and loading it in there. And then it was cut stuff. And then they gave me a cut list and it was just this slow burn, but they were just starting me like at the bottom. And it was, it was really incremental when I think about it and, you know, operating the forklift, operating all the big cranes, like, you know, all that stuff. Um, I remember it was so cold working at that place. Cause it was like a shop where it just had this and then the sides, but the, you know, the, the shorter portion of the rectangle was just open. So like in the mornings, you start at six or six 30. And I know you guys get a little different temperatures there, but for me, it was cold. I remember putting my gloves and the, the thing to, to heat up the electrodes, like the stick welding, I'd yeah. put them in this little oven every morning, <laughs> dude, like to the point where they were burning just so I could try to get something, you know, um, that was, that lasted for a while. And then it, um, I got back into that thing about art center. Uh, are you guys familiar with art center? A little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know a hell of a lot about it, but. Okay, so just Art Center is where Chip Foos graduated. Yep. That's like the easy. Uh, a lot of guys that have some really like impactful design have gone to Art Center. And, and that like, there's also CCS in Detroit. Do you know CCS? That I don't know. I've no. heard of it. I, I remember it as a skateboard catalog. It's a great catalog. Um, Art Center is this prestigious, um, you know, school in Pasadena, yeah. primarily specializing in transportation design. Like they render, you know, when you're in your eighth eighth term, which is like your eighth semester, all the big corporations, BMW and, you know, everybody, they, they don't look for new employees anywhere else. They go to Art Center first. They go, okay, who's who are these good guys that are going to graduate? And they pluck them, you know. So your attrition rate for success graduating that school, great. Um. But you have to, just to get accepted there, you have to take, you have to like, do, you have to take prerequisite classes that are like night classes that are off campus. And then you have to do a portfolio and develop this portfolio that has to have like projects in it, like a mass transportation project and like all this shit just to get accepted. Uh, and I started to do that. I'm like, I'm going to pursue this. I want to go to Art Center. My, my dream when I was younger is I want to be a car designer, like I want to wear a suit and I want to work in a corporate office and work with a, a team and, you know, be a car designer. Now, thank God I don't do that because <laughs> you know? that's not the shit. Yeah. Uh, I started taking all those classes and I remember I, I, I got rejected the first time. Um, I don't know how I didn't give up because I don't think my self-esteem was at a point where I was relentless like I am now. But that I got rejected. I did more classes. I turned in another application and I got accepted. And I remember like driving, I had a, a Silverado SS, just, you know, like a pickup truck. Um, 
And I remember like I was crying, just driving, like, cause I, I got this letter and I got accepted. Uh, and I, I got in there, um, uh, and I started going and I got through three terms, which is just like I said, semesters, it's the same kind of way you can chalk it up. Sure. I had vices going on, drinking, partying, um, not prioritizing things, same time frame, 2008 or 2009 hits. And my stepdad is paying for all this. It's not like, there's not a lot of scholarships. Um, it's a, you know, it's a trade school. It's not something where they just hand these things out. So most people are on their own dollar, you know, in this place. Um, and I was slacking on stuff and I can blame it on the recession and all that shit that happened in 2008 and 2009, but that's not really it. I think that they would have still pulled through for me, but I wasn't, I wasn't pulling my own weight properly. Um, and I just remember prioritizing like partying and going out over like doing what I needed to do. And I did good for a while. And just like anything, it just kind of took me to my knees and, and we had to pull out and they stopped. They're like, dude, you, you know, you're not doing your part. Like we can't pay for this. We're almost going to lose our business because of what's going on with other stuff. Uh, we can't pay for you anymore. Boom. Drop out. <clears throat> That's the, a part of my life, you know, um, I didn't hold that over myself or think of myself as a failure. I, I think that, you know, they say the, the universe only gives you as much as you can handle. I don't think I could have handled doing that because I wasn't in a spot, you know, to mentally to be, to be taken on what I should have been there. Um, I was always top of my class when I was there. I was top three, no matter what, with everything. Um, and it was a natural thing for me. But again, when you're a slacker, none of that shit matters. It's like talented fabricators. It's the same thing. You can be super good. But if you can't show the fuck up every day and you can't be consistent, matter. then that guy that does that, that's a mediocre guy, is going to fucking run circles around you. Yep. You know? Oh, dude, I've seen that time and time again. I mean, we've seen some some guys that have, I mean, very little experience and don't have the natural gift, but have yep. the fucking work ethic. And then on the flip side, like, We've had some dudes like that are truly gifted, like that it is no effort, phenomenal yeah. fabricators, but uh, just can't get their shit together. Want to you see? You want to do something? They just like a free fucking spirit, man. And it's it's a yeah. shame. This is an overgeneralization, <laughs> but you see that all the time, you know, specifically in sports and early all talents that a naturally talented or naturally gifted or born with that gift, it's almost a curse because. You have been so good for so long, and generally everything has come so easy yeah. that you, when when push comes to shove and things are a little bit harder, you're not used to working hard. So the kid that has had to work hard to learn how to catch or learn how to throw or learn how to weld or something like that, even though he wasn't maybe naturally gifted and probably can't weld just as good as that other guy or throw the ball just as hard as that other guy, He's had to work so hard to get to where he's at. He almost sometimes can succeed further because the hard work isn't new to him. Yeah. You know, the work ethic, you know, you're either born with or you're not. Sure. But then the talent, you're either born with or you're not. But sometimes if you're born with the talent and you don't have the work ethic, you've never had to develop the work ethic. So you think if you could choose one. I don't know. Like dumb, Ooh, dumb tricky. with a phenomenal work ethic. Or brilliant and fucking lazy. Were you dumb with a, <laughs> the way I, because that's the way I was born, dumb with a good work ethic. So I don't want to change. So I'll just do the same thing I am right now. 
Well, to piggyback on that, I think that you can't you can't build talent into people. Um, people are born with talent. I think that you can build work ethic into people. Um, I think you can build structure and consistency into people that might not have it just because that's the same thing, you know, like myself, like you could say I was talented when I was born with my artistic abilities and my creative abilities. I was born with that. I was not born with work ethic. I was not born with a father that could discipline me. I was not born with those things. And now I have them and I've acquired those through trials and tribulations, you know, so I'm going to pick talent. Um, I think talent it, with with a lot of this fabrication stuff, you know, both in any well in any motorsport stuff. I think talent really is your ability to how fast you can learn something, and how efficiently and fast you can do that thing. Um, that's the talent because this stuff is a trade at the end of the day. Yeah. It's it's definitely a skill set, but it's not then the you could as long as the guy's ambitious and wants to get some and has a good brain on his shoulders you know you're you could learn anything like this you know that makes sense yeah 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 100 man you i mean you, you persevered you I, I suppose you're right yeah at the end of the day you can't replace the talent you can't you can't learn talent pure raw talent <laughs> so, you think do you think more people born with raw talent figure it out at the end of the day and and learn I, the work ethic i, I think you, it's a, a a rare breed it, it doesn't it doesn't happen that often right you got it the hard way you know from what it sounds like but uh it was a good combination yeah. for you well i think the the talent thing a lot of people that have talents they're always it, it's a blessing and a curse like you guys mentioned and i think a lot of them fall subject same with musicians they're into drugs they're into like vices. They have to have some other, it's like a yin and yang, you know, like you, you don't get all that without getting some of down there yep. and you have to figure that out or else one's going to take you. Well, and I, I think that's what that, that's that specifically does. true on the creative side. If you are creative, anything, right. It could be from home construction, architectural, it could be welding, it could be car design, it could be anything. But if you're, if you're a creative uh, minded person and you're wanting to create that is the same thing as any other type of a, an addiction because you're getting high yeah the dopamine uh, you're getting high off of the creation right and so you're yeah. chasing that next thing that that a create i mean you just look at history of i mean from comedians and you know, rock stars and singers and any kind of creative thing it's that's a blessing and a curse yeah right 100 no, percent. you're chasing the next fucking thing and you're only as high as that last thing that you got to create, and then you're you instantly the coming down. And you got we see it in the fucking car thing. We talk about it all the time, or whatever. As soon as you leave that show for the first thing you're doing, or whatever, like you're super excited. But then as soon as you come down, it's almost like, fuck, where can I get another bump? Like I got. I mean, <laughs> that's just SEMA next year. Yeah. Yeah, I to I totally agree, and I think that um, you know, you got to mix some of that. A lot of creatives. I don't know if how you guys feel about ADHD and if you believe in stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I, I have ADHD on a crazy level. And I, a, a lot of this, I wonder if it's just because I was born, like my mom was so old that when I was born, maybe I have some weird shit where Sorry, I'm a little what, autistic what were you or some a <laughs> little bit of retardation <laughs> where I got some good stuff. But I think there's something there. And that's why I want to say, like, dude, my forehead, that's a natural forehead, dude. And when you think about that, so I've seen not, other people like that. So you don't you have, know? like, this going on where it's just age? Dude, that's just been? That's just been This that has way? been the like, thing, dude, for a long time, you know? 
So I think we started. I don't know. I just I I have that ADHD where that is a lot of that stuff is based off of impulsive instant gratification too, right? It's the same thing, right? Like on to the next thing, like what's what's going to get that fix, you know? And that that creative you mix that where you can do something and then you can go, I'm going to do this, ah, cool, you know? Yep. Next one, that's that same thing. Yeah. You guys know anybody like that? No. No. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> never <laughs> yeah we may or may not have somebody on the team similar, when are you gonna refill similar your personality but when do you guys refill your glasses we've yeah, been, we been there dude it's, yeah we've been it's about it's about time <laughs> i'm on my second you're on your first i switch brands all together phil's moving over to tequila yeah, so phil yeah. sneaks away and cracking that up shit was box. harsh i don't know i'm not a fan <laughs> really I wish I could have came out there. I would have loved to sit at that table. Oh, we can dude, do it again, man. Round two. You should have. You, do you yeah. ever make it out this way? Ever? That, that would be a genuine hit right there. Maybe I can bring a special vehicle or something next time. We have some really wild things we're going to work on that are going to change the world. Abs- well, absolutely. That's a dumb thing to say, but they're going to be very different in the <laughs> off-road community. So, drop out a drop out of art center. Uh, go back to work for my stepdad. I'm living at my my mom's. My mom and Gary, Gary's my stepdad. I'm living at mom and Gary's house in San Clemente. Um, I'm, I'm drinking almost every night. Um, definitely familiar with cocaine. Um, you know, and it's, it's like, I'm going to bars or something, meeting my buddies, like just not no ambition. <clears throat> I have a, I had a, a gen one CTSV, um, uh, and that was like my my pride and joy, that little beautiful car. And it wasn't that old then because you got to think those came out in 2006. This is like 2008 or nine. So it was pretty fresh. Um, and, you know, manual. I, just, I love that car. That was I just cars are like suits, you know, and, and that car was such a suit for me. And I crashed it. I totaled it and I was drinking. Um, I get a DUI, but it, you know, the car was gone. I, I took money from that and I got a C5Z06. Uh, and that car was cool, but it was a pain in the dick because it was lowered and it was scrape. You'd go like in the gas stations where the fill caps were like, and right. you'd scrape your ass. And then the overhang was, you know, on the front was crazy. So you're like, it just, it was yeah, cool. California's, California's yeah. fucked. And you had to wear new balances, which probably sucked too. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a custom plate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I had that for a little bit, and then I'm like, dude, what am I doing? I, I'm now I'm not in college. Like I don't need a commuter car that's like small and efficient. I I just want to get back into off road and get back into the desert like scene. I want to go to the desert again. I need a pre runner. Is this still and, re- like registered with you? That, I, that original. I put up an ad on this. What's that? I said, is it still is it is it registering in your mind that those original pre runner trucks you saw at this point is that still lingering back there? Well, a part I left out now that you say that is like 19 to 20, 21 or 22. My mom bought me a pre-runner Ford Explorer when I was 17 and it had a roll cage in it, but it was like, it was basic. And I rebuilt that. I started rebuilding that thing when I was like, started doing the structural steel thing in the garage, you know, classic dude, MIG welder, chop saw, grinder. I'm going to build something sick. And I didn't, I had no business doing that, but I, I started doing that. And that was the, like, my goal was to build this, this badass pre-runner. It never happened. I put that stuff in storage when I went to art center uh, and then I ended up selling it. So 
that was registering, but the, the pre-order stuff didn't hit yet. No, it like all the stuff that, that imprinted in me wasn't there yet. And that, I know when that comes in, but really what, like, I just wanted to get back out in the off-road scene. Like I got a, a, a this Z06. I, at least this is something of value. I can just, if I can trade it, I don't have any money, so I can trade it. I put it on this, this, this forum or website called whiteboystoys.com. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it's like, that's that's a great that's, website. That sounds like a different kind of website. I wonder who sure owns that. that, is, that is that a oh, classified yeah. website or what are they selling? I wonder who I mean. owns that domain right now. I mean, if you just type in White Boys Toys on other websites, you probably yeah. I don't want that in my search history, man. No. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. Because that's going to be the nail in the coffin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if, I bet if you spell boys with a Z, Z. at the end, it even different. Yeah. Or B O I I S. Yeah, I might go to a different spot. Yeah. So, anyways, the um, I put it on there. Some guy from Vegas wanted to trade me for the. I I put on there. We'll trade for four door V eight pre runner, and I'm like, whatever. We'll see. And some got hit, and he had his super crew four door, you know, and it had like beams on the front on 35s. And, and it, it, what I mean by beams on the front is it instead of having a arms, like it normally would have, it had someone put a I beam twin traction beam, like an F 100 on the front, super bro points on that all the way through, you know? So <laughs> did it come with the flat bill? Or I, I, went, I, I met him in Barstow. I traded that thing up and then I took it out Christmas Eve talk to you. else. it was okay. I took it new year's, to Glamis or Imperial Sand Dunes, and I drove it on the sand. I got off, and then I drove it on the sand for four day, four days, maybe three days. It didn't think a thing about it, and I drove out there solo and camped with friends on the way back. And I probably had a two and a half hour drive home. On the way back, I, I right as I exit the sand and like out of the OHV area, and I get on the highway, I get to forty miles an hour, and ooh, the gnarliest death wobble you've ever experienced in your life. And I, and I go back down to 38 and then it goes away. And I'm like, Oh my God, we're screwed. So I drove the freeways home at 38 miles an hour oh. for four hours. Straight. <laughs> so, and I'm like hung over, you know, like by myself, like probably smell like shit. So I got back and, and I was working four tens for my stepdad and that has a lot of relevance to this because I I told him like I, I towed the truck back there. It's not drivable. And I'm like, Gary, can I can I work on this truck and fix it uh on my free time? And you know, he approved to do that. So I had to keep it outside. I built this cart for it. It was heavy ass truck. So I built this cart for it and I'd tow it in with the forklift into the shop, you know, every Friday morning or Thursday night. Um and I worked on this thing with passion from, you know, I worked four tens and, you know, then Friday comes around and I'm there at seven and I don't leave till like seven or 8 PM. And then Saturday, Sunday, I do the same thing. And then Monday through Thursday, all I'm doing while I'm working is, and I'm doing like bullshit, structural, architectural stuff. All I'm doing is thinking about that truck and I'm thinking what I'm going to do next. How am I going to attack it? Like my brain is going efficiency style um, on this thing. And then like the weekends would come and I'd do it again. Uh, it turned into fixing the steering and I'm like, Oh, well that, why don't we just build new beams? Why don't we just, you know, build all this? Why don't we TIG weld all this? You know, like, and I, I had that like resurgence of, I, I call it artistic diarrhea on that truck. 
because I like I I had no creative outlet. So working on that thing, I would just go hard and I like I put this crazy design into it. Like all the plate works all crazy and it's all triangulated and like it's good. Now I look at it like just you know, it's in my driveway. I would never do it again like that. But I put like that changed my life for a year and a half. Um throughout that time I found out my mom had cancer. Well, you know, my mom was my everything. And and I found out my mom had cancer. And then I found out that we were having a baby. Uh, I've been with Taylor, my wife, since I was 16, on and off. Um, one of like the few people that have been with the same girlfriend forever. That doesn't mean that I have not created an extreme amount of chaos and you <laughs> in know, between uh, wreckage, if you will, with that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, she she I found out she was pregnant. That made me like I'm like all right, well if I'm gonna put my family in there or my mom in this thing, I want to cage this thing. So then I, boom, I started doing like constructing a roll cage and it just, it was my outlet. It was my creative outlet. And I think to tag into that, like what you talked about with like people that are creative or talented, I went from going to art center, which is like this prestigious, you know, school and being like this top performing guy and cons every day was drawn like close to a hundred sketches a day um, when I was doing my assignments. And that and then I went to like boom working with like a bunch of replaceable people essentially and feeling like that wearing steel toe boots and just being grungy and like coughing on aluminum fumes and like the whole deal and I, I like knew in my head I'm like I'm supposed to be doing more than this I, I and I don't know what that is and I don't know how to do it I just know that this is not what I'm supposed to fucking be doing um that truck gave me a window I her name is Beth uh, I, I name all these vehicles and, and Beth gave me a window to just have an outlet. Um, and that's so important for guys, you know, especially like people like us that like to build things and create things like having something to just focus on and, it, you know, obsess on and create, right? Mm -hmm, cool. More. Um, that was a huge thing. It got me through hard times. Uh, with my mom stuff and then you know i remember taylor i don't this doesn't sound good but i remember taylor in there like spray painting the cage while she's pregnant like spraying all the interior and stuff outside but still like being a part of um around that time in it was 2012 maybe um my buddy johnny branch who's an og like bike builder and hot rod builder guy i don't know if you know him he's kind of a low low low-key guy but I was friends with him and, and he's like, do you, do you know what Instagram is? Nope. Don't have a clue. He's like, it's cool. You just post pictures. He's like, I think people will really like what you're doing because I was posting stuff on forums. And that was like, do you guys remember forums? Yeah. That era was like heavy with the forums. Glad that the yeah. forum era is gone. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. The was the, that was the shit. I loved the forum era. You did? Yeah. God. Yeah. I don't know, it was like clicky, you know, they were like people and clicks and like talking you're, shit. You're right like, about that. <laughs> yeah, but there was, there was information. Massive and, criticism and, and yeah. shit talking on right. all level. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Andy Stumpf, host of the Ironclad original Change Agents. For over a decade, Ironclad has worked with brands and individuals to create world-class films, series, podcasts, and ad campaigns. 
In fact, I've been working with Ironclad for the past few years. I was introduced to them on a project through the Navy SEAL Foundation. I've worked with them uh, on a variety of projects, even up here in Montana, long before they proposed the idea of change agents to me. They're the best in their field. And I say that because there are plenty of people out there looking for the best, looking for the cream of the crop, looking for the top of the triangle. And if you're looking for that, you need to look no further than Ironclad. If you ever need media by way of film, a series, podcasts, or ad campaigns, they have you covered. You can reach out today and follow them anywhere at This Is Ironclad, the ampersand, and then This Is Ironclad, or visit them online, thisisironclad.com. Again, www.thisisironclad.com. But I came in there just like I have with my Instagram and I don't like I'm pretty shameless about what people say or anything. And I I just posted pictures on the forums. Oh, like every weekend on Sunday night, I'd like do all the shit, drop all these pictures and like say, this is what I did, guys, blah, blah. And like and it, had, it started getting like a good following. But branches like, dude, post on Instagram. It's just picture based. Remember, there's like a reason for all this stuff. So. I, I go on and I get the app and I start posting and like, you know, people start like, I, I, I'm solo building this thing in a structural steel shop. I don't know the outside world. I don't talk to anybody in the off-road industry, anybody that does motorsports fabrication. I'm just going for it based off of what I've seen on the internet. And that's it. My own education from 16 to current. And uh, that, like that goes on where I start, like people are like, dude, badass, blah, 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 this and that. And it's not, so much like a validation thing but it's a, a seeing like wow i'm at like i'm on the right track with something here i'm people are like getting stoked on what i'm doing out of my own passion you know like it, that that was something and <clears throat> fast forwarding some of that stuff i needed to get some like steering tie rods bent they were three eighth wall chromoly uh two i think it's 375 wall is what you'd say for decimal but big chromoly tie rods and i didn't have a bender um, I hit up this guy. I called around like locally. I called Camberg racing in Huntington, talked to Jerry Zayden or Camberg engineering. And I, and then he's like, Oh, Jamie Campbell at race co he can hit him up. So I called Jamie and I was like, Hey, it's Morgan Clark, this and that. And like, I, I think he already knew me from Instagram and I go down there and he's like, he's like, he's the cool guy. He's like, he, you know, he's probably 30 when I met him or something. And, and, no, 35 and looked up and it was something like I was like talking to another dude. Like it was a, you know, like a big brother style. He's like, when are you going to stop fucking around and building stupid ass handrails and build cool shit? And, you know, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, come work for me. He's like, stop building fucking stairs and shit. dude. like, just like a bro, just talking shit. And he's, <laughs> he's like from South County, like orange County and like Cameron Steele and, you know, desert assassins and all these guys. And I feel like you just described every dude from California, the, like the voice, the way you describe him, like that's everybody I've met from like, the Midwest point of view. Yeah. Dude, come on. Fuckers. Let's, let's, fucking Jesse. Yeah, let's pretty fucking typical. Get He's got that kind of squeaky voice yeah. talking shit, yeah. you know? So he like his brothers, Johnny Campbell is Johnny's, race i'll fuck this up but i think he's he's overall the baja 1000 on a bike 11 times or something honda factory rider and jamie's so jamie's got this pedigree like his like his brother and all connected and i had a falling out with my stepdad 
I don't know at what point. My mom's fighting cancer. Um, we're doing chemo. I shave. I shave her head. I shave my head. Like we're doing everything we can. She every time she has a surgery, it fuck stuff fucks up. Like it's a problem. I'm sleeping in the hospital a bunch of nights. <clears throat> Meanwhile, my my wife is getting ready to have a kid. We have some falling out, and I think it was after my mom passed away. Um, I lost my mom just to piggyback on that. I have like this cancer thing, you know, and I don't like rep fuck cancer or anything, but just. Uh, that was my one thing. And I told myself, I was like that kid where I'm like, dude, if I lose my mom, I'm fucking taking my life. I don't give a fuck. Like, that's it. You know, that's how connected I was to her. And that's the way the world works. We have Logan, you know, our, our, our son and, uh, L Logan is born and his first birthday, my mom passes one week before he turns one year old. Shit. And I'm like, that's why he's here, you know? To keep you, say, keep you around. Yeah, it's crazy the way that works. It is. And it, it, you know, that was like she, she was in hospice the way she passed. And I'll just touch on it really quick, but it just she, she had like a bowel obstruction and boom, she went from like she had a, a Chevy SS non silver, just the SS, the retro thing, you know, like the single cab fender looking thing. Yeah. Like 24 hours before, she's in the front yard, like, she stops by all my buddies are outside and she drops us food and then she, she drops the clutch and does a burnout and that thing. Boom. You know, she's got like a, you know, like a hippie looking thing over her head, shaved head. Like she has a cloth me bag in, like she doesn't have her colon attached or anything, but she's great. She's like in high spirits, has a party that night, something in her bowels. Like there was already cancer in there and it was just think about it like cheese on spaghetti noodles. Right. That's the best way to do it. And something finally just enclosed them like, that's it. And like overnight she goes in the hospital and then boom, her doctor's like, there's nothing we can do. He used that same analogy. It's like cheese on spaghetti noodles. Like there's nothing we can do to possibly get all this out. It's finally closed. She can't have anything to drink, anything to eat. She's going to die in five days straight up. Like that's it. Sure. And I'm like, what, what? Just like that. And they medicated her so heavy that she wasn't ever coherent. Like to the point where she like, okay, we got to figure this out. Okay. I'm going to pass away. No, it's just game over. So she's in hospice. She's down, you know, living at my stepdad's. Um, I've already moved out of there. And I'm, I sleep with her every night. And she goes from a week. She can't eat, remember. But she she can get a little bit of fluid. And it goes from a week to, to almost two months. And she's deteriorating. And I'm carrying her in my arms while she's, you know, she's wet in the bed. And just like, you know, she's rotting away. Um. And that's why I say thank God for Logan because Logan was literally clicking. You know, he clicked a year a week after she passed away, and it was like that transition. Like I got a little miracle to keep us going because I just didn't have it in me to. I, I probably was weak enough where I would have just taken my, you know, selfish enough to take my life like that. So, gift, Damn, dude. That's that's brutal, brutal stuff. Shit. Yeah. So you know, and that's how it goes. It just you don't you can't plan for that stuff, and and it's. But you're, there's always something there to help you, you know, as long as you're aware to see it. Back to Jamie. I go to work for Jamie Campbell down at Race Co. And he's building race cars. And, like, first weekend, um, I have the fallout with my, my dad or stepdad. First weekend, I'm down there, and I'm building, like, all plate boxed 4130, like, shock mounts for the rear of an F100 single cap. <clears throat> and, and it's, like, a surreal thing. And, you know, I'm, like, two weeks in on this stuff, and I – Every day I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm able to get paid to do something cool. 
Like I'm able to, I can create something and I'm being paid to do this. Like, mind you, I'm getting 21, 22 bucks, but I'm still, I don't care because I'm like, I'm, I'm able to create stuff with my hands and feel that value, you know, and the quality of life like that. That's where it was, it was a thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm over it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to fabricate vehicles for people. Like I'm going to work for other people fabricating vehicles. You know, that was my, my pivot. Are you realizing at that point, like, are you feeling the talent recognizing the fact that dude, I'm fucking pretty good at this. Like this is, this is clicking for me. No, no, no. I, I was still consumed with, um, party and drinking. Right. Um, I, a lot of that was still part of my story when my mom passed away, even though I had a kid dude, like still just, you know, they say you're not done until you're done and nothing will get in front of that and stop that. And it's the same thing. Like I, I, you know, I still, I wasn't able, I was the talented dude that would fucking not show up or be late. Even a couple of weeks in on that place, I'm still like, Hey, not going to make it not, or maybe not even call like that level shit. Right. Um, <laughs> but I had enough talent. Now, when I look at it, that's why they didn't want to like get rid of me. Cause they're like, hey, when this guy comes in, he fucking throws down and like, he's fast. <laughs> how, how does that work okay, now being now, the boss? But I'm, I'm clear. Um, so Jamie, I, I stretched that out working at Jamie's as much as I could. Um, we're working on a bunch of different stuff, being around like this. Jamie's a, a great teacher and a mentor. So I credit him with a lot of like my start and my really my my foundation and fundamentals with motorsports fabrication. Uh, he had patience and acceptance um, and it just got to a point. I think I, I ripped like my my ankle open on our pit bike track with a, like I was drunk and I ripped my, I hurt my foot, couldn't come in. He's like, dude, he's like, I can't keep doing this. Like you're here. Sometimes you're not here. Like it's great when you are, but I, I tell my clients I'm going to get stuff done and then you're not showing up and then it's screwing us. And like, I get it all now, like as a business owner, hell yeah, get that. Thank you for what you did. Um, so then I, I transitioned and I hit up this other shop in, in, um, Marietta. <clears throat> and it's it's funny. I just like it. Same thing with knowing your worth. Right. And I, I don't think I w- was worth the hourly that maybe I could get paid because I was still not consistent, but I hit up Kevin at H and M and I started down there and that's where the, you know, he goes, we got this 97 F-150 in here, same one at Solo, right? Same body style truck that I saw when I was 16. And he goes, I need you to do the firewall on it. Like, I want you to do this firewall. I've never done sheet metal. Sheet metal I've never used the bead roller. And he wants me to do the same shit that I saw when I was 16. And I'm like, I'm in a dream job. Like, this is it, you know? And and that is exactly when, like, I started really feeding feeding my passion with the stuff. Um, It's also when when I started realizing that like my way of thinking for design uh, and style was like above everybody that was employing me. Um, And I I don't mean that in like a bad way. I just mean like I would have power struggles where like, I'm like, dude, let's do it like this. And they're like, nope, we do it like this. And this is how we do it. Or nope, that's going to cost too much. It was like the classic shit um, over and over. So Eventually working for Kevin came to an end. Um, I transferred to another place, like just jumping around classic fabricator stuff. I'm still drinking. Is this an uh, attendance I, issue? Is that what brought it to an end? Is it having a hard time getting What's that? Is it, is it an attendance issue? Is he like 
fucking get your ass to with work Kevin. Yeah. Here. So, so we had, we, we would butt heads on like work stuff, but really, yeah, dude, like driving these guys into the ground because I'm like not consistent. And I like, I am the, the, the child for the talented fabricator guy that can't fucking show up for a shit. You know, like that. Post your child for that. <laughs> dude, I'm it's crazy. You recognize bro. this and you've learned from this. This is awesome. I like hearing this. <laughs> It is what it is. Like I'm, you know, it's nothing. I, I, I don't. I'm not proud of it or not like any of that stuff. Like that doesn't matter because it's not who I am now. Yeah. Um. But it, I know a lot of that came from like from from my own vices. It's not. I don't think that that's my programming in my brain as a as a natural pure human. I think that that I put that in me because of my pain, because I was how I was trying to cope. Um, and that like my trauma and my pain I was running from and that came in in the way of picking up booze on the way home from the shop every day and drinking till I fucking was done drinking at 12 or one and then not wanting to wake up like just, you know, but that's that was like I, I address that and identify that as as the issue not like because you got to think with the other hand where we talk about work ethic like we mentioned. I work structural steel. And I had to show up every single day. That was, there was no fucking around there. So, you know, it was only the race shops where my manipulative only child brains like, oh, I can miss or, you know, I'm I'm a value. At structural steel shops, like I have to be there at six or 630 every single day. I don't, if I go to bed at three or 330 and I have an hour and a half drive, guess what? Cool. You're going to do that. Um, And, and the work, mentality at the structural steel jobs get it done hurry the fuck up how long like it it is consistent crunching and rushing in that shop all the time it is like under the gun it's not about quality it's about getting the shit done that probably is also what made it so much sweeter when i was working for the guys because i would work like aggressively when i was there when i was there i would walk fast uh, to the brink of running um, and I would attack things, but again, I wasn't consistent, so it could never hold up. You know? Same cycle, go to another shop. Um, I work for this guy and he's, he's great. And he, he lets me have a lot more creative freedom. This is almost to the point where I'm on my own here. Um, I have a lot more creative freedom. This guy gives me $10 more an hour right off the bat. I, it's Cali Customs. Uh, Adam Ramirez runs Cali Customs, and it's more of a private shop. But you know, he I I did a like a side job for him on the weekend, and it was so fast. I came through and I did it in a couple of weekends. I caged an entire Silverado, and he's like, "Dude, come work for me." He's like, "I'll I'll pay you you know ten dollars more or whatever than you get." Didn't even ask me, and I jumped and I did that, um, and I was driving. I was commuting. So I was driving an hour and 45 minutes one way every single day. Uh, you know, dude, when you live in LA and you like get used to that, it was a thing. Like, I'm like, Oh, that's just what I do. Well, that's like a four mile commute. Yeah. Right. It's, it's <laughs> like, not that far. I well, gotta walk it, was, quicker. it was 34 miles. Okay. That's <clears throat> and it took an hour and 45 in the morning. Fuck no, I don't care how many times a year it's 73 degrees. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that, I, yeah, exactly. that is fucking brutal. We used to, our shop used to be like, what, 35 miles away, maybe. That was a 45 minute commute, but it was highway, almost yeah. no traffic, right? It's fine. 
I would fucking kill myself if I just sit. I would not do it, Bro, dude. I'd drive here. 300 miles out of the way yeah. just so I was just moving. Just to stay, stay moving. I don't mind yeah. the drive. Yeah. As no, long the as time you, is not yeah. a yeah. thing, but it's the... The sitting. It's the sitting. I don't mind. Like when I worked at H&M, it was 59 miles, but I was doing 80 miles an hour the whole time. So who cares? Yeah. But man, that crawl, it was it literally, I get on the freeway and right when I get on the freeway, I sit in traffic for an hour, 45 minutes, (sighs) just there. And then now I look at it, I'm like, oh, it makes me have anxiety thinking about Uh that, you know, but when you're in it, it's just like everything else. You get accustomed to it and you don't really, you're not able to see it. I'm working down there and, and. Ryan Kibby, I don't know if you know, do you guys know Kibby Tech? Yep. Yeah, he's been on the podcast. Yeah, we had him on the podcast. Yeah. Well, oh, right on. Cool. So Ryan Kibby constantly on my Instagram. Um, and at this point, I did like I do realize that I have a skill set and and I do build things differently and they look different than a lot of the people's stuff. Like it, you asked when when that was a pivotal thing or whatever. Um, I think it's just it was that thing of like it seems to get traction on social media. I didn't have enough confidence in myself or, you know, self-esteem to like believe in myself in a fashion internally. So I think a lot of that was like, well, cool. Look at people like it. Like I must be doing something right. You know, Uh, Ryan was always in my DMS every day. Like come work for me, come work for me, come work for me. And you know, it, he was 77 miles away from, which is a big jaunt in SoCal. Uh, from any of our family and stuff. And and he gave me a deal I could not resist. And I told him, you got to find me a house. And, you know, I don't have credit. I don't have, I don't, I'm getting paid cash. I don't have proof of income. Like I can't rent a house and I'm not going to do the drive. So if you find me a rental house, I'll come work for you. One week later, he found me a rental house. Um, I moved out there. My, my son Logan was going to kindergarten still. So, uh, Taylor, my wife and Logan, they stayed, they stayed out where we were. And then I moved into this house, um, in thousand Oaks near his shop. And I started working there and it was tough because again, you know, I'm bringing vices. I'm on a honeymoon start with a job, right? You call it that where you do good for some weeks till you start to fall off. Yeah. And that's probably a good phrase for it. Uh, and I, and I was a lead fabricator there and, um, you know, like shop manager, if you will. And I was working around all the guys there and, you know, like just, I was, I was very focused for a bit, but I was also same thing. Like I'm living by myself in this little house. Nobody's there during the week. I'm lonely, like boozing. And, and I don't care about you guys drinking. This is, I could give a fuck. Like, you know, this is my story. That's why I say, Oh, you still need to fill up. You're all fucked up still. I'm, I'm good, dude. But, yeah. Sorry if I'm just like crushing <laughs> bourbon over here. If you're, uh, this is going so, the direction I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> so like Ryan, you know, it, I had like a lot of shit going on with Ryan and, and I, I only can credit myself for like not being mentally, sound and where I should be and and full of insecurities and sensitive and like, no, I can't take jokes. And the the environment is way more like ego and attitudes and bullshit. And I just, I wasn't in a place to handle that. Now, now if I had to go work somewhere like that now, I wouldn't because that's not the kind of work environment I like, but it's not that it's a bad work environment. It's just not my style of thing. When I'm there, we have, you know, at some point we have a fallout, um, the details probably not good for anything to talk about, but 
it ends up being, um, you know, I had several instances there where my, like I told myself, I'm like, I'm never fucking working for anybody ever again. That was like my thing. Uh, just like, you know, week after week, I'd have something happen and I'd like either talk to Taylor or a friend and I'd be like, dude, I'm, I don't know what to do. I don't like have money or anything. And I don't know how I'd ever have a shop. But I am never going to work if something like after this, I'm never doing anything for like I'm never going to work for someone. Uh, Logan's first day of first grade at his new school out out here. Um, I just moved Taylor and like all of our stuff into this house. It was like our first like we, we I moved him in. He, he finished kindergarten, new school. I get let go. Um, I think that primarily had to do at that point with like financial stuff with Ryan and he just had to trim the fat and I was a very expensive person. Um, it doesn't help when you're still late showing up on time, missing, doing fucked off shit. So it makes it a little easier to let someone go like that. I'm sure. I thought you were going to say you just didn't like gold anodized parts. And so you quit. So I was there when... That was when, when he got the first, um, machines, I was there. Um, the, one of the guys that helped out with those machines, um, he was very helpful and he was a solid dude, TJ. Um, he even loaned me a vehicle and my car was down. He was solid. But I remember that was the first, you know, like we would have conversations like we're going to start putting billet. We're going to do billet shock mounts. We're going to do billet. Like it was just like talk shit on like how much stuff we're going to do out of billet. And that was when he first got those machines. Um, you know, but he had some big orders and stuff. And I think he was trying to segue into having some kind of revenue come in that was not just custom fab because I, you know, I understand how tricky that is to run a successful business just doing that. Sure. Uh, that whole thing happens. And when that fallout happens, I am so fucking, I'm so pissed. I don't know how to handle my feelings more than just being angry, um, building resentments. I, I'm like, for a year and a half, I was telling people, if I see fucking Ryan in the in the grocery store, I'm gonna have someone's gonna hold my kids. And I'm gonna fuck him up in the aisle. Like I don't care. We're it, that's how it's gonna go. That's like where I was at, and it what a fucking waste of energy. But you know, I had the day, the week that that happens. It's it's a uh, Labor Day and Labor Day weekend, so it's a Tuesday that happens. Wednesday, I tell myself I'm gonna figure this out, and then by Thursday, I'm gonna know what I'm doing. Um, and I had like a, it was a real crisis. We didn't have money in the bank. Um, I was counting on, I was going paycheck to paycheck and it was just a crisis. It was like a huge crisis, like shaking. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, that was such a pivotal moment because the, you know, I always, my mom used to say crisis is change trying to take place. And that's huh. really like how that works. You don't understand that it's change that's happening. You think it's the end of the world, but it's really just another direction that you're going to go. Uh, and I rose to that occasion right at that point. Uh, I think I was a week clean from just anything. I like, I was just kind of, I was already trying to choose a path to like clean up. So, you know, I, I wasn't as frequent, you know, drinking as much or anything. I was, you know, I think weekly maybe or something, but I was a week clean. I just lost my best friend and like a, he got in a car crash the week before and I kind of just like kicked stuff and, you know, you get back and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to know what I'm doing by Thursday. So I was on the phone from Wednesday morning to Wednesday night with all the, you know, all the big heavy hitters in the off-road industry and everybody's calling me and, you know, it's what happened the Tuesday 
when I got let go, Wednesday morning, like a fucking immature piece of shit, I go out, I grab all my Kibby Tech shirts, and I'm on my Instagram story throwing these things in the trash can one by one. Thursday morning, Logan, my son, is throwing Kibby Tech shirts in the trash can that we found. <laughs> like, dude. Yeah. So the burning the bridges, man. Now, you, gotta, man. you know, you no. never know. You just never What's know. What's that? I said it's the burning the bridges scenario. You just you never do know. What, what <laughs> I don't like what life's gonna bring you. Yeah, and it's it's something I was just so resentful and and you know, it came from being hurt. Um and I don't I don't even blame him. I, I we just had a bunch of shit we should have handled different and it is what it is, but what it did for me, that's the thing with like Ryan and I talk to Ryan now every week at least. Um, and I've made amends with him, but you know, it's, that was the best gift I could have ever got. You got to think about this like that, where we go now from that part of the story is where, why I'm talking to you guys right now. You know, that's the whole thing that, that whole thing was a gift. And that's the, that's why I say like the, with, with life and, and your path and thinking things are like, why the fuck is this happening? Like there's usually a plan that you just can't quite grasp until later, you know, you got to ride that out. I call these people on Wednesday um, and, you know, I get job offers and stuff, but it's just the same thing. Like, man, I got to drive. Like I've already, I'm not, I don't have a commute anymore. I'm driving five minutes to get to work. Um, I'm doing side work up at Evan Weller's shop, even when I was working at run just to, cause you know, I got like the hours got pulled back and a couple things leading up to that, where I was doing side work. Um, I was working, you know, six to 11 PM every night. Uh, and then on the weekends after I'd work a 10 hour day. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I exercised my options the best I could. And Evan's like, Hey man, if you want, I'll, I'll like, I'll pay you an hourly and, and, you know, I have some specialty jobs that you can do, uh, and you know, in the meantime, uh, and we'll go from there. So Evan started bringing, because like a lot of the work I do is specialty fabrication. It's not like really like simple stuff. It, it requires a little more forethought and that's my bread and butter. So Evan started bringing jobs, uh, up to this facility and, and using, you know, he gave me a solid because I didn't have a shop. I had a couple tools from my garage from back in the day, like I mentioned, but they're all in storage or someone's borrowing them and putting hours on them. And Evan got me going and then it turned into like people knew that I was kind of freelancing. And I started getting like I had a big following already and I started everybody like I think out of not sympathy, but just out of like helping out. Like, hey, you want to work on this? You want to do this? You want to do this? And it it got so crazy so fast. And then it turned into I'm bringing sh- stuff into his shop to build. And then it's like, hey, there's extra room at this facility. Like, we need to talk about renting, you know, next door um, and renting that for yourself. And then I, I, I started like, I'm like, okay, well, 2020, uh, I'm going to like start moving in and I'm going to start renting. And, and you know, I got an LLC. Uh, and, and mind you, like I stayed clean through all this, like I, that crisis made me stop shit. Like just, this is it because I was too afraid of like, how else can I fuck this up? And what's that going to look like? Yeah. Um, time, Cause it's time to get bad. fucking serious about it. What's that? It's time to get fucking serious about it. Right. Totally. Um, and there's been a lot of lessons since then, but a lot of these lessons now are, are business lessons that are different. They're not like, just like kicking myself in the ass 
you know, or shoot myself in the foot or something. Um, so it, it turned into 2020, like COVID time, um, got, I got an LLC and I, and I started operating out of my own like area and, you know, like a whole part of this facility. It's a 14,000 square foot building here. That's got kind of uh, partitions in it. So in different bay doors, I'm, uh, still like, you know, I have, I'm using Evan's shit. So I'm always going next door and I'm always like using this, using that, like grabbing this and slowly I'm starting to buy my own tools, uh, one by one. And it, and like, that's such a huge, that's why I stress what a help that was. Cause if I had to just start on my own, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I didn't know people. And I, like, I didn't have the means to ask for a loan or a business loan or, you know, it was a clean transition. Yeah. And that's a huge lesson for all of us. You know, like the, the number one thing now, like anytime something really gets me and grinds my gears, I might, even if it's a text or it's something I like, I have to respond to, I'll give that shit 24 hours straight up. Like, cause I know what I do when I act out of emotion. Sure. And I know that it's always not favorable. And optimal. <laughs> um, you know, and usually the whatever the fuck yeah. I say, right. it, it <laughs> sounds way worse to the person hearing it than I actually think it even is coming out of my mouth. You whatever know? your first instinct is, don't do that thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Write the email, <laughs> delete it. Dude, I'm done yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I like, you know, I, I called, I made some phone calls that Wednesday that were also to his clients um, and let, let them know and like, you know, just, yeah, I poached a couple of them, um, but I didn't have that like confidence or the security within myself to even think about a business plan or anything. It was very like just kind of trickled into where we're at. And, and now when I look at it, yeah, like I could use an investor, I could use help into this next transition of what we're going to do and where we need to be in like a bigger facility. But I wouldn't even have that thought process unless I started to grow as a person with the business. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even known, like nobody gives me a book on this shit. I don't have any mentors or people for the business thing, you know? Um, so I've been up here. I've, I'm still next door to Evan Weller. Um, I have two full-time guys. I had three, but it was just, it, I had to trim the fat. It just was running me out of capacity. Um, and we've like, you know, for me now, like my shit I'll preach is personal development um, and mental health and physical health. And I've like dove off on this stuff for the last year, at least seeing a therapist, um, exercising, you know, every single day, finding a routine, waking up early, being consistent. Uh, and and that's what I do now. And I like I am I, I can't I never was an early bird. And now I wake up at three thirty and it's just uh, like I'm I'm focused i've spent so much of my life that other way of just being that party guy and you know? I mean, i'm just a fabricator dude you're rock and roll dude you know like all that fucking he, bullshit he's from california for sure <laughs> dude, yeah classic bro what do you want to do you know like let's go get beers and i just i've done all that and i've like i've created the wreckage with my family and i'm at a point where i just i i want to I want to be the best I can with everything. And I don't mean like just work. I mean, like, I want to be the best partner I can be. I want to be the best dad I can be. I want to be someone that I can be fucking proud of. I want to be someone that my, my family can be proud of someone they can rely on someone that can show up someone that's consistent. Like I want to be like, if I had a dad, like what, who's that guy? How, sure. how can I be that guy? And, and the, the good part is like, I'm 38, but I probably feel 25 
and I I feel like I have a second life right now, and that's why like even what like reaching out to you guys and talking to you guys because I'm just I'm at a point here where things are changing. That pivot of like turning into a motorsports fabricator is nothing compared to like what is happening right now with with my life and with the business and our projects and our clients and things are incredible. Now I completely understand why your the majority of your Instagram and social media uh, and even YouTube is spent on in trying to impart that wisdom and show the process and, 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 and teach and knowledge transfer and stuff like that. When that is not one, it's not the norm in the motorsports industry at all, especially not in the off-road performance, you know, trophy truck world of being like, Hey, this is badass, but I want to show you how I did it. There's not a lot of guys in that world and then not on our world either. They're like, Hey, this is how you, this is how you go through. This is my secret. This is the thing. Everything for the last, you know, close to two hours has made it under map. Now made me understand why you're doing the things that you're doing. makes a lot of sense. makes a lot of sense. It, it, It does. And, and I see it like that too. And part of it, like to, you know, to kind of lean into that, when I was younger, and let's say younger, not meaning the first time I saw the pre-runners, but when I started seeing like more of those things when I was in my early 20s and stuff, you'd see a tube chassis truck and I could tell like the suspension is not connected to frame rails. The like There is some gnarly stuff and I'd see like a Stewart's Raceworks trucks were some of the first luxury pre-runners. That's mean, you know, people say luxury pre-runners now and it's a frame and it's got like, no. I'm talking full shell on a tube chassis, trophy truck suspension, all interchangeable parts with a race car, sealed cab, smells like leather, air conditioning, you know, shouldn't be street legal, has plates, that kind of stuff. I'd see that stuff and I'd be like, dude, how the fuck are those built? What is the process like in my brain? Like, how do you like, what is that even? I see that thing and it's awesome and it makes every dude think it's awesome. But what like what is the process there? That's step one. Now, now one more thing that to include is at art center, they had every, every um, term, they had this very important thing called a process book. And the process book was a detailed book that you make that has pictures of every step. It has the tools that you used, uh, you know, and it shows a breakdown that any person can, can open it. You probably don't even have to know English just to understand. And you do sketches of it in there and everything. And it's a process book. So I think all that, like, I, 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 I see myself and I know what we're building and I, I still have so much love and passion for it, that that's like, why not show people how that's done? Like, and, that's cool. and the thing is now, go ahead. Dude, I got to well, say something. Yeah. I mean, I just gotta, I guess I gotta ask you because I, I look at what you're doing as being like the fucking top level. Like we're not in the off-road community, like, you know, the pre-runner yeah. stuff, but I look at what you're doing and it's fucking sick. Who are you looking at that's like that you admire that that still inspires you in in your field? Um I don't look at other other stuff. Um I don't I think that and I don't please don't take that with ego. No. Um, it's, I'm just interested I, in just, where you I, seek I inspiration a, from. There's tons inspiration's the key. There's tons of people that do off-road fabrication and they do really nice off-road fabrication. There's people that weld better. There's tidy sheet metal. There's there's all that going on. But the thing that I stress that makes something to me is design. 
And that's, you know, Morgan Clark design. Like I love design. I love functional design. There's a lot of derivatives of racing fabrication. People build a race car and they want to build a pre-runner. And well, the race car has that and it looks like that. And then it's just so basic. And so I don't draw inspiration from any off-road fabricators because I just, I appreciate good work, but I don't see stuff where I like, I'm like, damn, that guy has it. Like nothing makes me go like, sure. Oh shit. I got to watch out for this guy. Like this is some badass shit. Gotcha. It's just it. I appreciate the good work, but no, I look, I look at, um, Lockheed Martin, uh, Northrop aviation, um, a lot of formula one stuff, exotic cars have extreme design. Um, extreme functional design, hot rod stuff. I look at your guys' stuff, you know, um, Ring Brothers stuff, right? Now, Ring Brothers and, and Roadster Shop, you guys are at a very high level. Um, Ring Brothers even more maybe were, and I don't mean a higher level than you guys, but I mean of like disconnected from being like a hands-on vehicle, Sure. you know? Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very not nice. like that attainable. It's like, man, like it, it, does, it feels sterile. Um, and it doesn't have a wholesome connection to you. So I just, I draw inspiration from architecture, uh, you know, anything aviation. Uh, I love, you know, all that stuff. And, and that's really where, what I thrive on. Well, did I, we got, we, we come to the point, we got some standard questions, but I got, I'm going to tweak them a little bit because uh, I've, <laughs> been, I've been inspired and I've got some stuff picking up the thing. So I, I generally, one of the things we always ask is what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? And we'll, and we'll get to that in a sec, but I want to, I want to ask you earlier in, in the conversation, we talked about it. You know, Jeremy asked, would you rather be born, you know, with a, with a good work ethic and less talent or talent and no work ethic? <clears throat> I, and I, I chose the way I was born and that was but, you know, stupid. Yeah. I said it as dumb. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stupid <laughs> and, and work gotcha. ethic, right. Yeah. You know, just, I'll figure it out along the way. Right. Um, <clears throat> and you you chose your path because of the way you think. But I'm interested to know if what would what would be the advice that you would give to somebody that was born that same way <clears throat> with a limited amount of work ethic. And I'm not going to say no none because you obviously had worth work ethic to continue to persevere. But would you not have? I'm not saying you want to change where you're at right now. But how did you know? that that last crisis was the last crisis. How many other guys out there that are going through it that don't have a work ethic but are super fucking talented could have gone through the first crisis and let that be the wake-up call? How many crises do you need to go through? How many, how many fuck-ups with the family or how many of that kind of stuff could you have had a better work ethic and less talent and ended up the same place that you're at right now with a lot less carnage? It's just, oh, it's just a question. question. You're trying to find the shortcut. That's a fucking like, hell of a question. Yeah, the, sh the shortcut to like well, just, just iron yeah. it out. I, that's what's in my head the whole time. Like you keep saying you're the typical fabricator, typical fabricator. Like we've talked to a bunch of shops who have experienced a typical fabricator. We've experienced a typical fabricator. How do you get them from How being the get, typical yeah, fabricator? <laughs> to, to where you are now yeah. and realizing that, that you've been fucking shit up for quite some time and you have the talent yeah. and you just need to get your ass to work I and make shit happen. Yeah, that's and and I get that. Um, I don't. I know I'm not the typical fabricator now, and I I do believe in change. You know, I don't think people are just stuck. Uh, but I, you know, sometimes they talk about divine intervention, um, and you know the 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 other thing we you know we say crisis, but we could also say rock bottom. 
Um, I think that people, everybody has their limit, you know, and, and rock bottom has many levels and many different areas. And I don't think you, you know, you can bounce down there and come up and do it a bunch of times. You know, I think that that's different for everybody, but I think really it's just, it's the, it's an awareness thing. Um, you know, once you start, once there's indicators that let you know that you're not happy with the things you're doing or how you're doing them, that's the point of how much do you want to put yourself through to keep doing the same things and still get the same results. Um, and I, I don't, I, cause you know, I knew I was fucking up for years. Um, and I, I chose to keep doing that out of habit. Um, and what that does too, is that creates this guilt and the shame because you're doing the same shit you're holding, you're, you're making promises to yourself that you're going to stop doing something, or you're going to be a better person, or you're going to show up, or you're going to do this. And then you're fucking breaking promises to yourself. And it's like, you can't build yourself into someone that's strong or have self-esteem or confidence when you're breaking promises to yourself, not even other people. Um, I don't like the advice on that, I think it, for me, because I only have my own experience on this thing is I had a vice. I was, I was using and drinking. Um, and that was stopping. That was my absolute ticket to success. So if there's someone that's in a position where they're fucking up and they don't have something like that going on, it's worse because at least I knew there was a golden ticket there fucking get that shit out of here and then like i can start to to flourish and and grow and i don't that's the thing that's different is i most people unless they're you know they have to be in this position where they're doing some other shit that's hurting their life because it's nice because then just take the stuff out and then learn how learn how to grow and operate without that now there's a whole set of learning and growth that has to follow that you can't just take that out when it's been a huge part of your life and then fucking white knuckle it that doesn't work like that you have to do the work like i fucking see a therapist every week like i i talk to the right people i have a routine i you know like there's a lot in place that makes thing my chaotic shitty fabricator self be grounded and structured sure but for other people i think just an awareness it says it's a check like check yourself you know like what it what is it you know figure that out because i think Everybody is smart to the point where they know what the fuck they're doing to hinder their life. If all of us want to sit here and we want to talk about whatever it is, that one thing, it probably comes to all of our brains right now. What can we stop right now that's going to make us a better person? Boom. You know, and we all know something. Yeah. And I think it's just a matter of having account like accountability and ownership in that and then having the fucking balls to just do something else. But to have those balls, you have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's the whole thing. Right. You have to get to a point where you you're fucking sick of it. I, I don't, I, I, I hate what I'm doing, but I'd rather do anything besides what I fucking do. You know, does that what, answer it? Or is what, that just like, Oh, yeah, no, it's a great, it's dude. What about like, I got to ask you, you know, I, I follow you on Instagram. So obviously yeah. like you're a fucking physically fit dude. You fucking work out, right? Yeah. The physical aspect of it. Like, what do you think that plays like how don't you feel like that ties in mentally? Like if a guy's gonna straighten his shit out, right? Do I think that ties in mentally? That is like the the physical absolutely. Um the the physical thing, and we can tap into that for I can see you're in shape too. Um the well at least 
on that sweatshirt, you look like yeah, you got snug, some shape. It's a snug, so I stuffed it's a, it. You to know, kids, for this. fourteen, yeah. sixteen. Okay, that's like your favorite sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> get, hey, get my sweatshirt, honey. Yeah. Yeah. I got Morgan uh, Clark I, coming on tonight. Let's uh, get my, get my, get my you're good never going to hear the end of this. Never. I um, what happened? You know that that goes with all this, right? I was drinking classic fabricator shit, right? Like yeah. I tell you, poster child. I was drinking two green monsters every day. Yeah. Three large fountain drinks, fast food for lunch, all together every day. Fucking up little donuts and sugary shit from the gas station. Any honey buns in there? Honey buns? No, I like donuts and, oh. and cupcakes. And there used to be these little things called rips, like in a package. Oh, yeah. Sour oh, I fuck with rips. Yeah. <laughs> rips are fucking there you go. sour little fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious little morsels. But Here we go. I, I was like chasing Logan around. Logan's yeah. 10 and a half now. I was chasing Logan around the front yard and I'm winded. I'm like, <gasps> and I, my heart, I'm like, dude, why? My heart is going like I just ran two miles. <clears throat> Tag onto that, and and it's all stuff. And then I'm like, okay, I gotta stop. I'm I I'm like, I want to preserve my life for my kids, and and I'm so good to get into a little bit of the physical and mental health thing. The, um, the the turning point there is when I I stopped drinking monsters, I stopped heavy soda like that. Um, and then like we were out on a camping trip two years ago, and. All these guys, like it's all like my my chicks, like old coworkers and stuff, and you know all these dads, and they're at, down at this creek. We all have no shirt on. They're drinking beers, and dude, dad, big old bellies and dad bods and all that stuff. And I and I like the like Peter nudges me and he's like, dude, right? Like we're all just dad bods, like you, you know, blah blah. And I'm like, <clears throat> you know, like am I there? Like Michael. is that is that how I want to be? And I um. I started like exercising specifically just to get in shape, but what that did mentally for me, I will trade any bit of physical shape for, um, you know, especially with doing it in the morning, I've had to figure out what works for me, you know, and that's why I like to wake up early. Like I wake up at three 30, I get to the gym either four or four 30 most days, um, and what that does is it's like, I feel like when I wake up, I'm already not an optimal person. I'm already negative. I already have like a shitty mindset. I just, I'm, I'm not like as prime as I should be. And you know, the, the waking up and I'm sorry if this leads into some other tangents, but it's all part of it is, you know, waking up it, holding commitments to yourself are like, it's one of the most profound things that I've, I've like witnessed myself develop where you can say you're going to do something and you do it. And I think a lot of my life, I didn't fucking do that. I, you know, I might have said something and not done it, or I, I would do stuff based on what I feel like doing, not what I need to do, you know, and like not having that discipline. So waking up early, like right off the bat is a small win. And then going to the gym is a win, you know, and then I at the gym, I take a cold shower, I don't put it on hot, I just take a cold shower, and it shocks my brain for a second. And I, I slow down, and I process. And, and all of that I have done by 645 in the morning. And when I go to get my coffee at Starbucks, I'm like ready. And, uh, and in this, this mental shape, I feel like you put yourself through all that stuff in the morning. Like nobody wants to get up at three 30. It sucks dick every single day. It is never like, Woo, cool. We're up. Yeah. No, it is something you have to sit up. And I'll usually put my phone. Like, so the light goes in my face and I just stand up 
my alarm clock's 10 feet away from me. But you do all that. And, and, you know, by the time you get out of exercising, you've already done so much hard work to yourself and you've pushed yourself physically that anything that you have to go through during the day is not even a comparable scale to what you've already done. Everything is easier. Everything is more manageable. There's no drama. There's no shit. Like you don't get caught up in things. You're not thinking about stuff. You're not obsessing stuff. Like you've, you've already done the work and you've already depleted yourself, not, not depleted yourself like where you don't have energy, but you've just right. you got all the bullshit out of the way. And you know, that's, that's the thing now, like the, the health thing, mental health, and, and especially with fabricator guys, if we're talking about what advice to give guys that are builders that, you know, are talented builders is mental health. Like that's it. Take care of yourself. Yeah, dude. Everything. 100%. That's the key to life with everybody is taking care of yourself. And it, it's the same thing. Everything I've done in my life, especially over the last year, I've, I've done in a way to better myself and optimize myself. And it just, cause I look like this, this is not, I, I'm not, I don't, like do stuff in my life to look like this. This is a product of what I'm doing in my life, like as a whole. And it's the same thing with, the, so that would be the ticket is mental health. If you, if I had some advice for guys, it would be work stringently on your mental health and personal development. And then everything around you changes. Everything is manageable. I get I, I agree with everything that you said. I got to call you out on something because it, it just sparked something. You said something earlier. Nobody wants to get up at 3.30 because it sucks dick. Side, <laughs> sidebar, all of us guys, because mostly guys listening, we've got to stop saying, like, that sucks dick because that's a bad thing. We've got to – because that's where all the women are getting, like, sucking dick is like a, like a oh. negative connotation. Like, I don't have a yeah, problem. You have to work harder. I don't have a problem with it at home. Like, everything's good. But for all the guys listening, like – I didn't we know that is an interesting that, take. We you know? Everyone's always like, oh, fuck, I don't want to. saying that things have changed in my life, too. I don't want to. I don't, don't want to do that. That sucks dick. I'm like, don't be like, oh, man, that's like that. That's like making a sandwich. Like, hey, do something. You, that's, that's what you took out of that. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I was like, that was super, interesting. I was, yeah, I was motivated. super in tune with that. And it was like, it is. I'm super motivated. I, we, we, we're, I, I think it's no, awesome. No, no, no. I, I get that tangent. And I understand because we just don't want to plant the seed. That's exactly that's one of the highest priority targets that you want to have with intimacy. That's a great thing. We don't want to make like, it a negative connotation. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. you know, that like just you'd be sometimes prefer that over your normal general intercourse, you know, like I think there's a lot to be said about that. Oh, yeah. We, part of performing well. We've been doing day. it we, <laughs> as men. We've been doing it for years in just common nomenclature uh, amongst each other of being like, oh, fuck, that sucks dick. But that's gotten that's gotten out to the female population. And it's just it's yeah, brainwashed yeah. them as that's a negative. Wow. I think we're we're changing a lot of things here. Dude, that's fucking deep. But I, <laughs> it's it's. I mean, you got we got to start tying that in with like positive things. Like, okay. dude, so and so just won the lottery. Like, he got his dick sucked. Like, something with like a just positive. A, just flip flop. Flip flop it. Yeah. yeah. So like, hey, here's this. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. After I get out of the gym and I get to that Starbucks, I feel like I just got my dick sucked. That's, That's where it. we're at. Okay. Now we're solving the world's problems. So all the men that are listening are going to be starting to meet happy. Dude, we start doing this. It t- it'll take a little time, a few years, but that subversively. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. That's you just don't one. want to put hey, any more hey, frequency hey. into the negativity of that. Hey, when y'all see me out, just go ahead. Just give me a little, give me a little fist bump. We'd know. What's the best piece of advice you ever received? Okay. Uh, my, so remember I told you about my mom 
And I, I told you that she went, uh, I'm not going to forget about that suck dick thing because I definitely have said that before. And now I, I can do something. I can, <laughs> I'll remember that I fire, fire and then, but I, I'm not going to just stop it. I'm going to use it as the positive. Yep, thing, dude. Spin like, it around. Dude, I just finished this thing. I got my fucking dick sucked on this thing. Like I got, you know, like I got my ass kicked, right? You do that. Like audience oh, and kick my ass. I'm going to be like, this thing sucked my fucking dick. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah, dude, I brought that truck out to SEMA. That thing sucked my dick. <laughs> dude, I drove that car the whole time. It was sucking my dick. You know? Dude, this happened in here like tonight, that. dude. Yeah. Courtesy of you. Yeah. At first, I was skeptical. I follow that. I get the deep vibe to the transition yeah. to dick sucking, but I'm good on that. Um, the So, best piece of advice, like, I, I don't have a lot of that. I think my mom was my mom was like slight she was in and out, right? So when she was in the hospice stuff, thought she had five days. She had like no she couldn't have food. She had barely any fluids. Like and a couple times her heart rate would spike and then I'd have to make these phone calls. Fifteen of her friends would come in. We'd all be around this bed and we thought she was dying. And then she'd pull through. She did that three times. And on the the third time you know, we were there and she had a couple of tears and she said, Morgan, do something with your art, you know? And I, I don't, I didn't take that as advice. I'm like, Oh wow. She actually knows that she's leaving and she had something to say. Um, but I, I think that's probably the best advice I've gotten. You know, I just, pretty cool. I, when you think about advice, I don't, I haven't had a lot of mentoring people or people to, to help me at all with stuff. So yeah, I don't have like a lot of profound advice. Like I don't have a list. I can't even do it on one hand. Next one we go to, we always ask your first car and a story about that car. But before you answer, sometimes we just take an opportunity to, to guess. To guess it. He talked so a little bit about it. He didn't talk about first car. I don't know if we touched he on He talked first. about early car. So you, you 85, so 20, you would have graduated uh, normally, what, 2002, 2001, something like that? 2003. 2003. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and you're big into dirt bikes and stuff, whatever. I'm going I'm going small pickup truck. Um, I, I wanted to go Ranger, but I think that in the 2000s is a little too uh, late in the game for a Ranger. Um, so I'm going S10. Um, and That's an easy pick. I'm going. Is there any more, is there any more guesses? I'm going, we're going to, yeah, we'll get through all of them. I'm going okay. S, I'm going S10 and that's going to be the early 2000s body style. It's, it's a fairly newer ish. Uh, say it's a 99, it's a 99 S10 extreme. Uh, it's got, it's not, a, no, it's not extreme. No, it's got the little flared like out that. back That'll bumper. Yeah, got the little yeah. flared out bumper. It's regular cab. Um, but I'm going with the, I don't remember the, the actually factory color code, but it's that turquoise, um, aqua color yeah, you're, you're way but off that's dude. fine that's that's my guess way that's my off. guess what's what's yours mine is that he seeked out what's what's the last year of the obs 98 99 99 unless it was a 2500 okay. then they did a 99 and a half for the classic so series. he yeah. somehow stumbled across a good deal on a 2000 it had like the trans oh, was an nbs an nbs trans was cooked high mileage something there's something got a good fucking deal had the vision. He's gonna he's gonna do something. It's the fuckers going off road, right? It's it's a natural project vehicle. So he got a two year old NBS. Yeah. What color? Red. White. Red. Oh, okay. How they only right. came in beige. Not the NBS. That's it? where I'm going with it. That's all right. All right. Well, right. You said crew cab. No, it's extended cab. Extended cab. Yeah. Where do you go? I'm wrong, but I want to say Fox Body. Oh, <laughs> cool. 
What is it? So that would be cool. Fox body would be cool. <laughs> see, see, yeah. You guys ready? Yep. So, I want to say an eighty-eight S tune. S fifteen. Okay. S fifteen GMC. What Extra color? Cab what color was it? Gray. If it was that year, charcoal. it was brown. It was the turquoise. No, it's charcoal gray. Charcoal gray. Uh, yeah. Did Maybe have like they... a, it, it's whatever. It was a square body, so it might have been okay. a ninety-four or something. I got you. you know, it, whatever year they had a square body, that changes my color pick. Yeah, was it the white know. gradient lower stripe? I think it had a little red and black maybe stripe. Yeah, if it was on the, the char- if it was the charcoal gray, it had the trim and it had the red stripe on the thing. Damn. Yeah. And, and I didn't damn. have that long. I got that thing for twelve hundred bucks, and I was going to pre-runner the shit out of that thing. And I took it up to this place called Boneyard, and um, I I I understeered right into an oak tree. I wasn't even supposed to drive it yet. It wasn't even. I didn't even have my license. Total, they were notorious for understeering. Those things just. They didn't. I'm. I'm going to go out on a, rotate. Right. I want to let you know. I know that you haven't had the time to listen to every single episode, but in two seasons and whatever four episodes, ninety nine percent. There's not been a guest that has not totaled their first vehicle. Really? <laughs> every yeah. single one of them. We hang with a shitty crowd. I can give you more. <laughs> I took my I had my dad or my my stepdad. So I had this other stepdad when I was younger, but just not like around or involved. He had a Toyota Avalon, just the one you're thinking of, like Kleenex box in the back window, um, burgundy red, like shitty tan interior. And on Valentine's Day, I was pissed. And there used to be this back road, Sandy Miss Canyon Road. And it was was a really good little transition, very easy. I went to the gas station. I picked up a cycle trader and an auto trader. And then on on Valentine's Day, and I was just, I had no, I, I stopped wearing underwear when I was 16. I had jeans on. No socks, skate shoes, no shirt. Went up, and I I got in a race with some kind of little VTEC thing. And this is a, remember this is a front wheel drive car. Yeah, don't, be, Avalon, don't, be with, don't be fucking with VTEC. Fucking Avalon had ETC power. It don't on matter. The don't be fucking <laughs> with little, little fucking button. Fens had it. It's right there on the shifter. The VTEC could fuck that up. So I we 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 got going fast on this back road, probably 120 or something, and then and then I like lost some control and like there's a big a big drop and going 120 over this thing and then I dropped and I, you know, I, I corrected to the point where I could and I was good. And I didn't crash. And I, I turned up seeing his camera gets tight and I understeered off the cliff. Um, all like maybe oh. 40 feet or something. And it's all Oak trees in a Canyon. And the guy for sure was on my ass for sure. Saw me go off for sure. Dipped out. Well, you would so, have done the same thing. 40 feet What's up. that? You would have done the same thing. Yeah. If you were behind him, you'd be like, oh, I oh guess yeah. you'll figure it out. 100%. I'm wondering where the tie into, so I'm 16, I didn't wear underwear anymore. Gets back you want to hear that one? I'm wondering yeah. the relevancy to this story. <laughs> you weren't the only one. Well, Brian, my buddy Brian Gordon, he was he was a senior when I was a sophomore. I just and he was that. the guy who would drive. He had a Silverado extra cab, new body style, uh, white. And so, see, we're all we're all hitting, and I had yeah. a buddy with a fox body. We're there, so we're dude. We're, the uh, <laughs> the Brian would take us to Beaumont, and I remember we're you know when you ride bikes, you change like you change out your gear in the back of the truck, like everybody's sitting in the bed, and he just and he pulls down, and he dude balls, dick, <laughs> ass, whoa, what yeah, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he he's like, oh dude, he's like, I got a free ball. He's like, fucking underwear are pointless, dude. Blah blah blah, and 
that left an imprint on me. Really? And I stopped wearing underwear since then. Like I wear underwear in the gym just so I don't show like a mushroom head if I'm doing bench or something. But I, <laughs> besides that, I just, I don't wear underwear at all. There's huh. no point. I haven't worn underwear since I was 16. That's the perfect segue to the next question. What's in your pockets yeah. right now? We always do a pocket what's dump. That? So what's in your pockets right now? Zero. Nothing? Nothing in your pockets? No, no, sit back down. <laughs> sit back down. <laughs> well, he doesn't wear underwear. Wow. The table's perfectly placed. <laughs> yeah, zero. I'm in, I'm in like work attire right now. Oh. So I have earbuds next to me. And then I just have my phone and that's it. I usually wear an apron and I don't carry stuff in my pockets. It feels weird. Favorite car movie, truck movie, off-road movie? I mean, Gone in 60 Seconds is a legendary one. I'm sure a lot of people probably say that, right? Yep. We all love Angelina. Um, my reason. I'm trying to think of like one that's way more special. You know what I used to watch that was really good? Chips. Uh, I used to watch um, Cannonball Run. Hell yeah. What about, for what was it called Ferrari Summer or something? Corvette Corvette Summer. Corvette Summer. Corvette Summer. Yeah. Corvette Summer, Cannonball Run. I used to fucking get those at the rental, the VHS rental store. Like a family video or something. Yeah. Dude, we had a fucking... You know where it had the porno on the back with all oh, the beads? Yeah. yeah, we talk about that all the time. I mean, Jerry's favorite spot growing up. <laughs> dude, we had a fucking dude right down the street from here. We do a little test drive that it's like a, a mile to set speedometers. And just past there, yeah. you hang a right. There's a fucking dude for years had a Corvette Summer replica sitting in his fucking driveway. You gotta get it. You're about the of the age to be driving one of those. Yeah, so I take it back. I I think can, the Cannonball Runs and Smokey and the Oh my God, Smokey and the Bandit, dude. That's Cannon, the one. Yeah. Smokey and the Bandit's great, but Cannonball Run is still better. Th- those were my my bread and butter. Those were the ones. Like no, not gone. That's just an easy car one. But I think I think really Smokey and the Bandit and Cannonball Runs. Those were the ticket. The like the, that. The Remember the Cannonball Run? The guy that had the monkey driving the the limo, and yeah. he had the steering in the back. Yeah. Yeah, the monkey just chilling, but he would be in the back seat of the limo, like doing all the shit. Like, and there was the chicks in the Lambo, dude. Yeah, the Countach yep. is where it's at. Ooh. Yeah, Countach is good, but Terry Bradshaw and and Mel Tillis <laughs> and the fucking Dooley was good too. Dude, what's funny is like those were so those movies are so old. My my son loves everything from like when I was a kid. He's infatuated with it. He watches those on like yeah. repeat, all of them. So I come home and it's like Cannonball. Hold your son. Uh, Twelve. Yeah, so see, Logan's 10, and I, I had great moments with him sharing older movies. Yeah. And they don't, like, a lot of kids, they, it doesn't matter if they, like, don't hold up to us when we see them. Like, they love that shit. Yeah. Dude, my kids, look like, when I was a kid, my I remember my dad, like, talking about, like, fucking old Yeller or something, and I'm like, this looks ancient. It looked like an old fucking movie. My kids love it, like, Dirt Bike Kid. You remember the Dirt Bike Kid? That's fucking. If, if you're asking about a different, like a motorcycle one, Dirt Bike Kid was yeah, the shit. Dirt yeah. Bike Kid is the shit. Like they love, you know, Flight of the Navigator, all that stuff. Like I would have never. Flight of the Navigator was my Especially shit. Especially with like 1080p and all the, the advanced, you know. Yeah. Good Flight of the Navigator. You gotta be careful when you pull it out of the. Flight of the Navigator <laughs> would, would have been a uh, mid 90s, uh, early 90s. Is that Flight 90s. of the Intruder? Uh, no, it's a, it was no. a Disney flick. It was this. this it was the this, Chrome thing. Nerf football. Yeah, the Chrome Nerf football. Uh, uh, alien deal that comes back and this kid has to like drive the thing and they like they, they yeah it's dude you know what you gotta you gotta watch with your kid flight of the navigator it's a great yeah, tap into that one. it's a great movie the other one you gotta watch that's that shapes you shape me and howard was, the duck no howard the duck <laughs> is fucking awesome so it's killer clones from outer space 
But you remember, yeah. was it the Explorers? Are they the ones that built the uh, fucking space shuttle, like, in the woods? It's, like, late 80s. I don't remember that. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that one either. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, Google it. You I guys remember the, Kids? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a different kids. different era. That was also yeah. pretty You cool. want to talk about old, and I know I am the oldest one. Have any of y'all seen Swiss Family Robinson? Oh, absolutely. Well, they built the treehouse. Yeah, tree uh, that's yeah. a that's yeah. a fucking flick. Yeah, they had that at Disneyland forever. Yeah. They had yeah. they had that at Disneyland. It was fire. Really? I think they're gonna bring it back this year. Oh yeah. I wanted to fucking the live there, dude. I did too. I thought that was the greatest movie of all time. Dude, but kids when I was a kid. Kids was that's a hell of a movie. You don't yeah. hear that, was, that you reference. Had to know somebody who had like the copy I got it on DVD. It. I ordered it like two years ago on DVD just to see it again because I was like, man, that left a stink that was a gnarly yeah. one yeah so that, that wow. one dude on the skateboard that had no legs yeah i have no it's the legs. age one i have, no legs. I have no legs yeah <laughs> you know that was epic too one of one of the most epic movies that like it you it may get canceled if they release it now but it was so good and it held up it'll hold up right now as forrest gump dude oh, that man. movie they did so good on that shit yeah. you know like that's one of the most timeless things ever yeah, yeah that's, forrest, that's a good one forrest gump rocks Morgan, it's been fucking awesome, man. It's been a fucking yeah. blast. It's been Pleasure. a fucking great. When are we going to see you again? What shows are you going to be at? I think what we should do is we should like manifest something where I, I tell you that we're going to build a thing called uh, MCD1 Dakar, and oh. then I'll bring the Dakar with me. Um, I I want to go to – where are you guys out of? North of Chicago. Where? North of Chicago. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I figured it was Illinois. Um, I want to go to Michigan um, in the summer to do dirt, to do um, their Midwest Dirt Fest. Uh, and if we have this car done, I, I would like to just bring something with me or have transport stop by. When the transport's stopping by, you guys, yeah. I'll, um, I'll I'll come by and I'll show it and we'll rip it. Or, or what something. if we do maybe like a little off-road competition? Maybe we're building something that's for off-road inspired. Yeah, we don't want to get beat. Too easy. Dude. Yeah, we don't want to get beat. Oh, we just, we're just friendly. Friendly uh, 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 trophies for everybody. everybody's a winner. <laughs> I don't play that game. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see you. But it's been a pleasure, man. you guys. I'm I'm super grateful to be able to talk to you guys. And uh, you know, if you ever, if you want me just to come back on and shoot the shit again, I'd love to. I just, love it to. would be worth it to me. I'd love to sit at that table. Uh, and if, if we're going to do it again, let me just figure out how I, I'll just get myself out there and sit at the table. For oh, sure, man. Love, love to, to do it in out. person. They'd always sure. better, always better in person. Hell yeah. Well, been a right blast, on, boys. Man. Are we out of here? Yeah. We're dude. out of here, That's man. That's it, brother. All right. Kick well, ass. Uh, if, if you guys, if you guys follow me, can you like message me so I know exactly who you are so then I can follow you back and talk to you and shit? hundred yeah. percent, dude. I haven't posted anything since 2014 and my, that was, a yeah, you're shot, one of those. My profile's yeah. on private, but <laughs> yeah, I'm good for one post every two to three years. <laughs> well, just so it's just an easy contact yeah, so we sure. can yeah. you know, be in touch. Absolutely. Right on. Man. Right on. Thanks, All right, boys. Dude. Appreciate it, Later, guys. Take care, man. Later. Bye. Remember, you can keep up with Morgan by following him on Instagram at Morgan Clark Design One and also on YouTube again at Morgan Clark Design One. That was awesome. That's cool. Way deeper than I thought we were going to yeah. get. Yeah. Yeah, it's deeper, but that's cool, man. A lot of guys need to hear that. It's uh, it's helpful, I think, for a lot of fabricators. A lot of guys. I mean, just people. It's a lot of general. people in general. Yeah. Just humans. It's it's cool to hear that that story of. Perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. Been he's through a some shit, hit rock bottom, right. came back, made yeah. something out of himself. Talented fucking dude. Like we didn't we didn't touch enough on what he actually does. Yeah, we, right. did a, we'll we did do a round two in addition to actual trucks. Yeah, so we'll, 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 we'll when circle he gets back on round two, but yeah. follow, man, because it it's it's very cool as a fabricator 
to see his artistic touch, like as he to watch what he like the way he approaches it, how he sketches. Like you'll see some tubes, and then that's photoshopped. It's sketched over, and all of a sudden there's like just rad brackets. Like everything has a design element to mm-hmm. it, and I think that's what draws me to his stuff. It's really fucking cool. Whiskey review time, dude. Whiskey review. So what? Before we get into huh. We'll touch on the Elijah Craig barrel proof. The second half of this episode is going to be dedicated solely to Spencer. I thought we were going to solely... It's not a twist off. Because we have had... I thought we were going to dedicate it solely to Dustin, because that's exactly what he sounded like the second half of. Dustin from the chassis shop. And he's like, come on, dude, I don't wear any fucking underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Dustin's got... He's got the Cali. Yeah. He's got the Cali vibe, for sure. But this is all about Spencer. With the Slipknot Iowa whiskey. All right, now, now that we know, Slipknot. now that we've tasted this, you want to tell the truth about I, what we did tonight? What we did tonight? We started with Elijah right. Craig. And we because pivoted. We thought this was going to be bad. But it's not, we bad. it's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad, <laughs> That's why I said I gotta you say, want to tell the truth. I, like, I was so fucking skeptical, right? Coming off of the last four uh, picks that you've made. <laughs> no, not picks I've made. Submissions. They were bad. Rock star submissions. Okay, but and also the picks that you brought. The fuck did I bring that was bad? Uh, the truck stop bourbon. It was truck and stop. The tatter- Dude, it, <laughs> it, was it wasn't truck just stop that. Like, we weren't. I wasn't he was ex- excited as shit about it, though. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Tattersall. Good. There was the, it's a good logo. It's a good logo. Yeah, there was an opportunity that maybe there's a chance. Okay. I, I'm, maybe. I'm, I know. Possibly. I'm not saying that you're a bad bourbon selector. Right. But, but this were, one, I'll be honest, dude, I've been fucking so skeptical about this because... Why would you be? It's Slipknot. It's Slipknot. Right. Not known for their clean gurning taste. <laughs> for their bourbon whiskeys. Yeah. Um, so, obviously... Is Spencer a Slipknot fan? Is that where that came Spencer's from? Spencer's a huge Slipknot fan. I think that Slipknot he, would he, be a little on the little vanilla for... for for old Spencer. No, they were like masks. Yeah, no, like, but I think it's, he's it's, a little bit more. He goes it's a little harder. Very, yeah, a little it's, harder. It's very BDSM kind of vibe, which yeah, I think suits. I think it suits Spencer well. And that stash, the leather masks, the yeah. whole. I think is that that's those dudes. Yeah, right? Turn off the lights, a hole's a hole. I mean, the whole right. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I'm yeah. more of like a <laughs> Rolling Stones, Beatles kind of guy, but Slipknot. Uh, he, I think he uh, photographs him. He's done like he's. He shot their concerts and stuff. Right, I've seen him, and I've, right. the whole time I've I've followed him for years. Of like, I wish they would do a whiskey. So it's been up <laughs> <And> there. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So I I'd, I'd say that probably the biggest deterrent is the giant corn cob on the front of it, because the last thing you want to think of, granted, the corn is part of the mash, the last thing you want to think of is the corn flavor, right? Okay. You know, like a a young bourbon, you always taste corn and ethanol. Yes. Yeah. I always thought this was a Gretzky thing. Wayne Gretzky? Every time I saw the number nine, I don't know is that why. His, is that his number? I don't know if it was or not. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. It you just, just thought you number Wayne nine Gretzky. was Wayne Gretzky. I knew... Hey, Google it. Yeah, he's not number nine. Yeah, Google that. I, no, he's not number nine. Oh, shit. But there was something... that I know Gretzky did... A, like, there was some kind of Gretzky whiskey. And every time I saw this big number nine, I was like, oh, that's that Gretzky deal. But I never so, spent the time to. I'd he's say, 99. Yeah, so. Very number, close. Yeah. Right? First and foremost, I think I'll 
Spencer an apology. Number one for you do for allowing it to sit on the shelf as long as I have. Number two for being so skeptical that I put it second to the Elijah Craig that I wanted to make sure that we had something to drink throughout you did. the duration. Like, that's, you know that shit's going to suck, so let's start with... Well, I didn't one. say it that way. I, I did not say it that way. It, close, no, it was inferred. And coming off the tails of the ZZ Top whiskey. <laughs> Val- Valconi's. Valconi's a great brand. Okay. The collab ZZ, ZZ Top's, Top's a great band. <laughs> exactly. At any rate... <laughs> but together, yeah. Yeah. no bueno. Pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised. It's really good. It's pretty good. It's yeah. got a, a, it's got that little cinnamon hue. Yeah. What were we drinking on the last podcast? It had that. It was uh, Mike that Rose. Was the Mike Rose. Yeah, yeah. The Nobel. Super cinnamon. Yeah. Or Noble, however you want to pronounce it. Knobble. He's, Knobble. He's, fa- he's fancy. So. Uh, Swisher, Iowa, forty-five percent alcohol, so ninety proof. Uh, Look at you and your math. It's good shit. It really is good shit. Thank, you. thank you, Spencer, and uh, please accept my public apology for. Allowing this to uh, sit stagnant on the shelf as long as I have. Well, but what does it say here? Slipknot and Cedar Ridge Distillery, two groups of people born and raised in Iowa. Iowa, typically known for their bourbon whiskeys, and committed you're mixing to a lot of stuff that don't make no quality sense. Quality and hard work. We collaborated on number nine whiskey, which, in addition to Iowa corn, gets some extra spice from its rye content. I hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Live life. And always be safe. Cheers. Is it live, love, laugh on the back? I thought that's where it was going. <laughs> Cheers, clown. Dude, looking at the Slipknot dudes and reading that, I just, I'd have never thought that they were such respectful, polite dudes. I'm going to tell you, they didn't write it. It's, um, that was a PR. It says department. clown. You think so? Yeah, I know. It says dash clown. Yeah, they get paid for that. Okay. They didn't actually write it. Uh, I'll just fucking rate it, dude. It's, 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 it's not bad. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Six nine. That's a fucking rating. That's a review right there. Get it. It falls very much in line with last episode's selections, and it's honestly just a little bit better, I think. And I think that's where we were. We were like six seven, six eight. Yeah, you're lower than last episode, but no, no. You just don't remember things because you're, you know, you're getting old. You're losing your memory. Things are fading. Turns out you're right. That's right. Hmm. Turns out you're dead on right. Hmm. Hmm. I was wrong. I didn't drink it, so I can't rate it. Do you uh, want to take a sip? I still got some tequila left. All right. Phil chooses to not rate it. I told Mark you my that down wife, as, I told you my wife wasn't coming. There's no sense in pouring that tequila. Mark that down. We got as, bourbon for everybody. Mark <laughs> that down as the first <laughs> NA for Phil. Phil NA. N A. Um and put next to my six nine, put a little mustache. You would That's, for Spencer. It, it's a sizable mustache, I think. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, a medium sized mustache. All right. There you go. Uh, I thought it was a comedic mustache at first, but here we are a year and a half later, and it's still there. Yeah, yeah I think he's. You know, he's yeah. It's a long term, long long play. He's, he's committed. Joke. He's, he's in it to win it. That's <laughs> yeah. Not going uh, anywhere. Yeah, I think I think it was better than I expected. I'm going to give it a six seven. It was better than I expected. Uh, are we doing the Elijah Craig barrel proof? Yeah, let's hit it. Um, you you rate that you've been on the high proof stuff. That's that's where you're at. You're trying to embrace your masculinity. Uh, yeah, but this let people know that he's tough. No, this yeah. one I I I was not I was not as big of a fan of. I was not a fan at all. I just um, couldn't get through that quick enough and shift gears into something it, else. It wasn't the proof. It was. 
It was the flavor. It was both for me. Um, this this particular batch. This is the uh, eight. Uh, sorry. B five twenty three. Eleven years, five months, almost twelve years. Bourbon. Uh, I'm not going to fully pass judgment. I'm going to come back to this one and again at another point in time. But I tonight. Maybe it was my sneezing fit that I had earlier. Yeah, I'm surprised oh. you didn't touch on that. I was counting them. I think we hit well, 11. I was waiting until the right time no, you to can bring go ahead. it up. If you, wanna, yeah. if you would like to go ahead, I've got also things that I could get into as well. I was hoping that we would get through. You should through. just walk away. I, I was hoping that we would get through the walk bourbon away. review. I'm thinking and that it would we're be just best let it for go. you to back up we're just from gonna, the pool. <laughs> just going to let that go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, tonight for me, Elijah Craig barrel proof, they usually hit pretty hard, even with the 124 proof. Generally, like a proof, this batch tonight for me didn't do it. Uh, I'm gonna give that a 6 4. I'm gonna go 6 0. I think this would be one of the first big names that I'd put a uh, wouldn't buy it again. Hmm. I did not like it at all. I'm gonna, I'll give it one more shot, but you could be right. I'm gonna go 6 2, and I'm gonna. I'm going to say it. I don't, I don't love anything from Elijah Craig, honestly. Even their 18-year that's, like, sought after. That's a collectible, desirable bourbon. I think we've... We just re- doesn't do it with your palate, huh? I just I just don't love it. Well? Nothing great hey. out of the Elijah Craig camp. Sorry. It's not for me. Caramisi tequila, on the other hand, is delicious. Dude, you know what? I'm going to... I'm sorry. The fucking sneezing was out of control. I'm not going to let it go. <laughs> it is. I'm not going to fucking let it go. My little, uh, that coughing fit. I know, the little, where you, I know where you're going, and I am excited. The little coughing fit. What was it? Uh, six seconds? Four seconds? You sneezed 37 fucking times, dude. It was fucking embarrassing. It was honestly embarrassing. We've got a guest from out of town, a talented fabricator a, 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 from California. He took the time out of his day to do this podcast, and you go into a fucking sneezing fit. I'm like going to record this on my phone. Like, so an I, I can enjoy it. Fucking maniac, dude. Who sneezes that many times? I, I apologize. I sneezed. Uh, I, I told you at the beginning of this, I was sick, right? We prefaced that. The sneezes happened multiple times. 11. I couldn't control it. Dude, excuse yourself from the room. I should have, right? That, that's right. a reflection of that us. That was something. That's a reflection of us as a team. That was I something I couldn't control. The way that it was perceived. Do you know what? You know that, was, thing, you know that, that horror movie where you're like, no, don't, don't, don't go outside. Don't go outside. Don't separate. Yeah, he's, no, gonna die. he's going outside just willy-nilly. Look at him go. I couldn't control the sneezing. No, you couldn't. Right, but you know what you could control? What's that? That's asking your crush about working out. <laughs> Right, <laughs> or getting super excited when he talked about not wearing any underwear. Uh, now that I didn't get excited about about the sweatshirt, that's that's your your special sweatshirt. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. Let's talk about this. You're sitting over there in a fucking kids fourteen six same t-shirt. shirt, same size shirt I that's, wore for two seasons. That's Maddox's t-shirt. I'm growing. The shirt's not getting smaller. Maddox's t-shirt, right? It's a medium, and nobody says anything about your physique. Well, you're right, and I, I'd pr- appreciate it that way since we're inver- interviewing a male. He doesn't have to say anything about my physique. <laughs> Is this the What's end? that we... point in chess where you know any move you're going to make? You're just going to lay lose? it down. It's just you lay it down. I'm not laying it down. I'm not fucking laying it down. <laughs> I bet you would for He's going to flip the board. Yeah. He'd lay it down for Morgan. I promise. <laughs> 
Thanks again. <laughs> Dude, we're going to build a pre-runner together, and we're going to race it in the dunes, okay? Yeah. Thanks again for listening to Oil and Whiskey with the Roadshow Shop, an Ironclad original. If you like the show, be sure to leave a rating and review. Thanks again to our guest, Morgan Clark. We'll see you again next week.